Hello and welcome to the Galactic Court podcast. Uh, my name is Andy and every week we are here to discuss all the latest TV shows, films, gaming, whatever else takes our fancy from Star Wars, Marvel, DC and everything else nerding geeky in between. Uh, if this is your first time listening to us, uh, then the social media links will all be linked into the episode description. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, uh, Twitch and TikTok as well. And also, if you really like the episode, you obviously give us a like, give us a follow, leave a review, and um, and obviously tune into all future episodes. Uh, today, we are going to be discussing uh, Star Wars Jedi Survivor, the new game that's come out recently. And I'm very, very lucky to be joined by a really cool guest for this one. He's super into gaming himself. He's done a lot of YouTube stuff in the past, done a lot of gaming channels. So he's going to be really knowledgeable about the stuff. And I know he's written a ton of notes to, to, yeah. uh, to discuss about this with us. So um, everyone, please welcome to the show uh, from the Kyber Chat podcast. It's Kev. <laughs> How you doing, Kev? I'm all right, thank you. How are you? I'm oh, not too bad, thank you very much. You've just good, come back good. from holiday, haven't you? So I have uh, landed a few hours ago, but I was I I couldn't say no to uh, <laughs> talking about Jedi Survivor. So here I am. <laughs> no, I really uh, appreciate you joining us. Um, for everyone watching or listening, we were going to be joined um, by Furry from the Between Two Gamers podcast as well. Yeah. So there's going to be the three of us to, to have a chat about this game. Uh, unfortunately, Furry's not very well, um, so he's not been able to make it. But yeah, we'll try and get him back on for a future episode to be able to discuss uh, sort of some game in the future. So tonight, it's the two of us, and that's more than enough to be able to go through this. <laughs> um, so Kev, talk to me. What is it, first of all, um, about gaming that you really, really love? Because this is the first sort of gaming review that I've, I've done on the podcast. Yeah, um, yeah. And normally the first question I go in with when it's the subject of Star Wars right, is what is it you love about Star Wars? But let's just skip that and go, what is it about gaming in particular that you love? So, uh, I don't know. I, I, some, I, it just feels like ingrained in me that it's something I've always done, if that makes sense. Um, and I think being quite like an introverted person, this is such a generic answer, but being quite introverted, gaming is like an escape, as they say. Um but yeah, I've always enjoyed not only just gaming, but like sharing my knowledge of games and hence why I'm here today and why I've uh, had my YouTube channels in the past, um, which have done quite well, I would say. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just, I just, gaming's just, like I say, an escape. And mm. um, games like this, especially, like that really suck me in and like I'm just playing it for hours. Um and I'm in that world. That's just the best thing. There's, it doesn't quite compare to to a lot of other things out there. And that that's I can say that about Star Wars too, to be honest. So, yeah, I think that's what it is with gaming for me. What uh, what kind of genres of games uh, do you tend to like the most? So, my favorite game of all time is Borderlands Two. Um, Borderlands as a series is just absolutely phenomenal, and I can't even explain why. Uh, I've got a lot of my friends like into Borderlands just by saying you should really play this game with me. It's very good, and uh, I don't know. I like I, I recently I've been more into like the looter shooter stuff, so I tried Destiny. But mm. for me, Borderlands is still up there. It's the best, um, and that was what my YouTube channel was all about too. So um, I did a lot of like guides and stuff like where to find this weapon and you know things like that, and they all did really well. Um, yeah, I think for me. Uh, it's a lot of action adventure stuff. Um, 
a big fan of Assassin's Creed as well. Mm. Um, I play a bit of Call of Duty now and then, but not so much anymore because I like Modern Warfare Two was the old Modern Warfare Two was the best. Uh, but none of the new stuff is compared to that. But I really love like Call of Duty Zombies too. Big fan of that. Uh, the story of that as well and the lore is mad. Um, and I used to do a lot of those kind of videos on YouTube as well, kind of talking about stuff like that. So, yeah, that's that's kind of what I enjoy the most in terms of gaming, I would say. And what about your history with Star Wars games in particular? Have you played a lot of them? Because um, personally, I've been very exclusive to Star Wars games over the years in terms of <laughs> yeah. I've played pretty much everything that's come out. It's one of the few franchises or one of the few game brands that I've jumped on every single game that's come out, no matter what, just yeah. because of obviously my love for Star Wars. So what's what's your history with Star Wars games been? Uh, I'd say probably pretty similar. I think I've bought almost every single one that's come out. Um, I, re- I distinctly remember playing the... Um, the pod racing one on like Nintendo 64 or something. Yeah. And I think my older brother had that and kind of like passed it down to me. Um, Cause uh, I was pretty young then, but that's my earliest memory of a star Wars game, I think. And um, Jedi Knight two Jedi outcast. Mm. I love that game on PC. Yeah, I, I, well. I think I was like maybe like 10 or something when I was playing that on PC on a PC that could barely run it, uh, like the family PC. But that's what I spent a lot of time doing. I was like, oh, can I have the PC so I can play Jedi Outcast and play on these like online servers and just pretend to be yeah. like a, a Sith Lord? <laughs> um, yeah, that's such a good game. And then, of course, the Lego games. I love the Lego Star Wars games. Um, and I remember, like, I couldn't, I really wanted uh, Lego Star Wars, the first one. When it first came out, and it was like it, normally I only get a game if it's like my birthday or like Christmas, but like it was coming out, and I was like, I really want this game, and my parents ended up getting it because they could see how much I wanted it. So, <laughs> and yeah, I remember playing the hell out of that, and of course the new one too. Um, I wasn't so sure about that at first because I was like, it's nothing like the old ones, um, but of course the graphics and stuff is just amazing, and uh, yeah, I got into it eventually, and I've near enough finished it, but I kind of kind of fell off that a bit when Survivor came out. And <laughs> <laughs> well, I've been a big fan of the, obviously a lot of people are fans of the original Battlefront games, like the yes, sort of yes. mid-2001s. I've been a big fan of the more recent ones, the 2015, obviously Battlefront 2 that came out a couple of years later. Yeah, um, I, yeah I've been all over those for years because obviously updated graphics, updated gameplay, yeah. the, the chance to sort of have those big Battlefield games as well, where it's you know, 20 aside and getting out there and just sort of kicking some ass. And yeah. I, 501st is my favourite clone legion, so the fact that I get to go and do like prequel era uh, maps and stuff like that and pretend that I'm part of the 501st yeah. and just go off. That's that's what I love about Star Wars is it takes you love obviously for a franchise and you get to sort of do some almost real life scenarios with it, don't you? And, yeah. and the fact that you know you're going sort of down the to the palace on Naboo and you're getting confronted by Maul or something and it's just like <laughs> no, get out the way quick. Um, that's what I've loved about the recent ones. Um, and then obviously in this particular series, you know, we've had the first game Fall in Order. Mm. Um, what were your thoughts about that game? Um, so I remember buying it and. I, like a lot of people compared it to like uh, Dark Souls, and you know, obviously the combat and stuff is quite similar. Now, those are games I don't really touch because <laughs> I've heard things, and you know, Elden Ring and stuff came out, and and people were like, "Oh yeah, that's really hard," and I was like, "Oh god," um, you know. But obviously, it's Star Wars, so I bought it, uh, played it, 
And um, rather than the actual like gameplay and stuff, I was more in love with the story and the characters. I would say um, it was like it was the best Star Wars film we never got, mm. and um, the the story of it for me was superior. Um, yeah, I I love that game. I actually replayed it just before Survivor came out. Um, tried to finish it. I only played on like the low difficulty because I was like, I need to finish this before it comes out so I'm fresh and I know what's going on in Jedi Survivor. Um, but yeah, I, I got quite close to the end and then Survivor came out and I was like, right, it's time to play this one. Um, yeah, I do think Fallen Order is up there with like my top favorite games, I would say. Um, and same goes for this one, uh, without spoiling my thoughts on the <laughs> game a little bit too much. Yeah, um, Fallen Order is great, and the story, like I say, amazing. I would say. I wouldn't worry about spoilers because we're going to spoil everything anyway. <laughs> yeah, everything. <clears throat> That's what people are here to listen to. So let's not worry too much about that, buddy. No. Um, so yeah, Fallen Order to me was a really great game. The, what I love for myself about modern Star Wars games is that I actually book the time off when they come out to play them. <laughs> like Battlefront 2, I actually booked a week off work wow. to make sure I could sit there on day one and I could sort of have that Smash first you know, yeah, sort of like four or five days of playing it non-stop and just get really into it. So yeah. end up completing like the, the story um, on the, like, the first day <laughs> and then oh. go into like playing multiplayer for the rest of the time and so just like, cause that's obviously where it's all at really, isn't it? So Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a shame, obviously, yeah, we're six years on, so it's probably no surprise they've stopped supporting <laughs> the, the game on that sort of front now. But the fact that we've got loads of DLC for both games, to be fair, yeah, is um is nice because obviously there's a lot of controversy around EA games and sort of like you know, buy to win and stuff like that. And the fact that they corrected that pretty quickly when there was a lot of outrage and the fact that there were people who were going to grind to unlock <laughs> stuff and the people that were just purchasing it straight away. Yeah, and true. They went, okay, like everyone's kicked off, let's sort of back away from that, which is fair play to EA on that one. It's a rare win for them that they've backed away from that and gone, yep, yeah, okay, we'll get rid of it. But thankfully, in things like Fallen Order and Survivor, there is no sort of buy no. to win bits or or things that you purchase. You just have to grind and unlock them, don't you? So yeah, yeah. So you touched on the story as well from Fallen Order. Um, yeah, quick reminder of the fact that obviously Cal, it's five years after Order sixty six. He's sort of hiding on Bracker, being a bit of a scrapper. Um, he's forced to reveal his Force powers as, as a Jedi, and he's faced down by the Inquisitors. And it starts obviously a long chain. Of um of him then trying to hunt down this holocron, keep it away from the Inquisitors, and ends with um obviously this big sort of showdown at the Inquisitorious uh, base. He's confronted by Vader, which was a great cameo because I didn't think we were going to get him in that game. And no. one of those rare moments when I actually got sort of super chills because obviously Same. you sort of like just got Triller there, and you think that they're either going to turn her or execute yeah. her, and then all of a sudden you just get that Vader breathing in the background, and he appears highlight of that game i would yeah. say yeah yeah absolutely and obviously at the end of that game you know they destroy the holocron and decide to leave it all up to the to the will of the force and that's where we left it so before the jedi survivor game came out they released a novel called jedi uh, star wars jedi battle scars um i jumped on this as soon as it was released because i wanted to really sort of get get into it and make sure that i was caught up on what the characters are doing because there's a five-year jump from the end of fallen order to the start of survivor and this novel takes place, I think it's like about two to three years after the events of Fallen Order. Yeah. 
Um, for anyone who hasn't read this novel yet and thinks it's going to be a really good read, it's not. <laughs> let's, let's just get that out there straight away. This novel is trash. <laughs> the only reason to read it is just to catch up on literally you know, a few of the changes between where the novel happens and where Survivor starts. Um, obviously explains how Grease lost an arm and why he's got a robotic arm in this one. It explains why the team of Calmer and Seer and Grease are not together at the start of the game as well. Um, but yeah, if if you're wanting to read it, you can do, but it's a terribly written novel. There's sort of no real decent plot to it. Merrin's just depicted as like a horny teenager for most of it, a falling, falling for someone that she's known for literally like 30 seconds. Um, and as I said, the only two sort of real points for it were just to reveal what happened to Grease's arm and explain why the team weren't together at the start of the game because they all wanted to sort of go down different roads and do different things after spending that sort of initial time together. So let's jump in then to Jedi Survivor. We're five years after Fallen Order. Um, kicks off on, on sort of Coruscant with Cal being captured. Um, were you excited to get Coruscant? Because we see the Jedi Temple as well, obviously being taken over, and it's now like um, Palpatine's sort of head palace now, isn't it? Or the Imperial Palace on yeah. Coruscant. I was really excited when we heard that the Jedi Temple was going to be in the game, that Coruscant was going to be in the game. But we're very restricted, aren't we? But that's to be fair with what we can do on Coruscant and where we can go. Pretty much, yeah. I feel like you're just like on rooftops the whole time. Um, it, but like Cal seeing the Jedi Temple for the first time in how long? God knows yeah. how long. Um, and that being the opening shot of the game as well, uh, I feel like sets the tone for you know what's to come. And mm. um, yeah, but yeah, we are pretty restrictive with Coruscant. And I seem to remember something before the game coming out. People were saying like, "Oh, Coruscant's going to be like open world mm. or something like that," which obviously we didn't get, um, which is fine. But you know, it did just feel like rooftops and more rooftops. But <laughs> I yeah. still enjoyed it, you know. It's part of what got me excited was the fact that there were all these rumours that Coruscant was going to be open world. You were going to yeah. go, get to go to the Jedi Temple as well. Yeah. I was thinking, oh, maybe he's got to sneak around and find some information there that's hidden away that he needs from the Jedi Archive or something like that. So a bit of a disappointment on that front. But, I mean, <laughs> this entire game, to be fair, is beautiful in its, in its aesthetics. Coruscant looked beautiful when he got to different vantage points and looking out through, obviously, this entire city-wide sort of planet. Um, but here we we meet obviously some of the crew um, that he's working been working with. Um, we meet Bode as well, um, who's obviously going to be one of the main players throughout the whole story. And we learn that he's essentially been working with part of Saw Gerrera's team mm-hmm. um, for the last couple of years, and they're just doing sort of like hit and run missions on the Empire. And they are looking for info here that they managed to get from this dude. Um, he's one of the senators, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. And they basically find out they're not really making that much of a dent on the Empire. Um, then who shows up but the Ninth Sister? <laughs> I was uh, I was wondering if we might get to see her in this game, but it was cool that we get to see her straight from the off. And Cal basically gets the face down from, uh, gets her face off with her and cuts her head off, basically. <laughs> so it just shows that he's not messing around anymore. He's not, no. uh, not the guy that was still finding his feet and getting reconnected to the Force in the first game. He's mm. evolved a bit. He's got his Jedi powers back. He's definitely skilled now. Did you enjoy seeing the Ninth Sister in it and, and having that sort of battle with her? I did. I, like, I kind of half expected it, but that's absolutely fine. And I think for it to for us to open the game and that be the opening boss fight was kind of perfect. Mm. I feel like every time we encountered the Inquisitors in Fallen Order, we were kind of outmatched and uh, Cal kind of almost couldn't take them. Uh, but in this one, Knife Sister's just a breeze and it's like, um, 
it just shows kind of how far Cal's come in those five years. Um, it, and he does try and talk her down a bit. You know, he says her real name, Masana Tide. Mm-hmm. Um, and he does try and kind of like bring her back to the light. But in the end, yeah, as you say, he's not having any of it. And he cuts her head off, <laughs> which is uh, excellent. Yeah, loved it. I love how they always say that, yeah, the Jedi are peaceful and they and the violence is a last resort, <laughs> but they've made them, pr- post Order 66, they've made them pretty brutal. They they, yeah, this is how they have to be to survive, but yeah. but the fact that, you know, they go around and they kill a lot of people, they're like the post-66 <laughs> Order Jedi, uh, the post-Order 66 Jedi, yeah, they're pretty lethal, aren't they? So, yeah. Uh, so they manage to escape the planet, um, most of the most of the, uh, the crew that he's with get killed, it's just him and Bo that manage to escape. And he, you know, the ship gets damaged, and he's like, "What am I going to do? What, what am I, do? I need someone that knows the ship that can fix it." So he pops off to the planet Kobo to go and uh, find Grease, because that's where Grease is settled down. So he crashes on the planet, has to make his way there. Um, again, you know, the aesthetics are pretty beautiful, and as we learn throughout the game, Kobo is a planet, and what there is to find there is massive, huge, huge. absolutely <laughs> massive, like. <laughs> And they sort of did a, 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 thing, a, a thing similar to the first game where you have to go back to certain bits after you've leveled up a certain amount. You can't just explore everything straight away and get everything. Yeah. You have to level up a certain amount to be able to, to reach certain parts. And then you have to have certain abilities to be able to like lift things up and find secret hatches and then go further deeper into the planet under, underground and, and do a bit of exploring as well. Um, obviously, he, he sort of catches up with Grease. Grease agrees that he's going to help him fix the ship and that he's going to help him get going. And obviously, he's chatting to Bode as well. And here, while you're sort of searching around, he comes across this sort of like old school vault, goes down in it, and he finds this droid. He does, I can't remember the exact name of it, that force power he has where he touches something and he can see its history. Uh, psychometry? Something like that, yeah. Yeah, that's that's a good yeah. shout. And he, he realizes that this was um, an old Jedi droid from the High Republic area, sort of 200 years before. And they were sort of doing something quite important, that there was somewhere that they maybe tried to go, and, and this droid had had its memory wiped of how to get there. So she's willing to give Cal, uh, she, the, the droid, <laughs> is willing to give Cal um, the sort of remote that gets him into these different places. And he then ends up stumbling across a Bacta tank that's got the protagonist for sort of the most part of the, um, the, the game in it, Dagon Gira. And we saw him in the trailers for, for the game as well. Yeah. And I don't recall seeing you in the trailer with only one arm, to be fair. No. So when, so when we see him there, he's only got one arm in the, in the, in the back to tank. I was a little bit shocked because I was like, Oh, I don't actually remember seeing that as part of the trailer. So he, he does a psychometry again, and he sort of gets a bit of, of backstory as, as to what happened, and that there was this, there's uh, the Kobo Abyss that's just outside the planet. It's really hard to travel through, and uh, Cortana Law, and he'd obviously gone there. He thought it was a perfect place to be able to have like a secret Jedi temple and be able to train younglings and stuff like that. Um, but it was invaded, and the Jedi basically gave up on it, and Dagon had become sort of so enamored with this planet yeah. that he basically started to lose his way. How do you feel about the... And what we do get to see in a very sort of cool scene is that after he's released from the back to tank and he's talking to Cal, he's explaining exactly what happened and the fact that the Jedi had abandoned him yeah. um, and his mission and, and wanting to use this planet. We actually get to see a lightsaber crystal bled yeah. and, and turn to the dark side. We'd ne- uh, we've never seen that before in, in canon no. stuff, have we? No. That was pretty interesting. 
I like how I, he did that was his first thing he did when he got out. It was like, let's bleed this crystal. Like <laughs> <laughs> I mean the only time we've seen that in sort of the new era, the, the yeah. sort of the more new canon is is in a Darth Vader comic. Right. Um sort of straight after Order sixty six when Vader's charged by Palpatine with going and killing a Jedi, taking his lightsaber and bleeding the crystal to help turn it into his own. Right. That's the only sort of modern canon that we've seen that happening. So yeah. to see it happen on screen yeah, happened yeah. a lot quicker than I ever imagined it would do. Because <laughs> like in the comic, Vader sits down and he has to really concentrate on this crystal when he pours all of his his fear and his hate and his anger into this crystal. And it's sort of quite a big thing in the comic that he's yeah. pouring all of this and he has to concentrate really hard to bleed this crystal and turn it to the dark side. So this dude seems to sort of just do it like that. He seems <laughs> to, to, to do it fairly easily. But nonetheless, it was still quite a cool scene that we get to see it. 100%. So what were your initial thoughts on the fact that Dagon Gira, this Jedi from the High Republic here, 200 years before, <laughs> sort of comes out, he turns immediately to the dark side, and he's going to be our main protagonist of the story? So, yeah, I, I mean, I think he was the most interesting part from the trailer, um, and it was definitely the thing I was kind of most hyped about. I was like, who the hell is that? There was loads of theories at the time, and it was like, he's a clone of Cal or something, and I was reading all the theories, and I was just like, that's not true. That's not true. Uh, but yeah, I think the excitement behind kind of who he is, learning more about it was great. And then we saw the um, a, a, a newer trailer where he had like the High Republic robes on and everyone was like, it's High Republic. Like we're getting a High Republic link. And um, yeah, I think it was a good, it's such a good way to tie the current timeline and the current Star Wars canon into the um, High Republic using mm. Cal's like psychometry and stuff like that, and actually showing us kind of a little bit of that. Um, but yeah, I think he's a really interesting character. I have no idea like what race he is. Like he, no, no. he's some kind of like he's a humanoid, but like mm. he's he's like blue, and his eyes are like icy blue, and then he's got, he's got these like texture in his skin and like these lines, and he he just looks really cool. Um, and learning more about him was probably one of the most exciting things in this game. Like my objective would be like, go confront Dagon Gera or whatever, but I'd be off doing something else. Like I'd be collecting them, then discs and the, <laughs> and the priorite. But, I, but yeah, um, definitely a very interesting character. Um, and the fact that you face him three times in the game. Yeah. Happy with that. And he gets yeah, increasingly difficult. <laughs> Unexpected how many times you maybe face off against him. Yeah. And maybe even more surprising that yeah, the story went beyond the final confrontation with him as well. Um, but obviously we'll get to that in a little bit. But we came across another interesting character that's linked um, with, with Dagon, his sort of underling, if you like, um, which is Ravis. Um, he's one of the race of the Jendai. Um, the first one, again, in sort of modern canon that we've seen. The only one of him that we've really seen before was, I think, Dirge from the original... Uh, was it Tartakovsky Clone War, animated Clone Wars series from like 2002? Yeah, yeah. Um, and and they sort of brought that sort of more into canon and, and took the whole thing as well from what Dirge was, the fact that the species are very hard to beat, they're very hard to kill, as we saw in the game. You know, <laughs> Cal pretty much stabs him through the chest <laughs> and, and he, this dude doesn't die. He chops no. an arm off and it just grows back. He gets hit by like something, like he gets cr practically crushed by something and yeah, doesn't kill him. <laughs> um do you think he was a cool character to come into it and, and to finally get the Jedi in, into the proper canon? So when I first saw him in the trailer and stuff, I was like, I didn't really like him because I thought he 
he didn't really look like a Star Wars character to me. He looked a bit like he belonged in like Mass Effect or something. Um, but obviously his connection with the story and his connection to Dagon and his code that he has, um, where obviously Dagon somehow bested him in a battle at one point, <laughs> which we don't know much about, but he did. And then, um, yeah, his like loyalty then to Dagon and how that ties in with everything was really good. And um, mm. I do enjoy, obviously, the battle we get to have with him and how that ends as well. Um, yeah, in the end, I think I ended up liking him a lot. Um, but like I say, initial my initial thoughts was like, I was like, what is this? Who is he? Um, but it was good to learn learn about him and obviously finding all the echoes throughout the game that tell you a bit more about him and, uh, you know, his uh, the Bedlam Raiders and recalibrating the battle droids and stuff like that. Right. Yeah, yeah. I think he was a lot more interesting than I expected him to be and he played a much bigger role as well, which was good. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I think he did have an interesting backstory in the end, didn't he? Because he's been around for hundreds of years himself. Yeah. Um, he initially, like you said, he was bested by Dagon in battle and therefore became, you know, pledged his loyalty to him. Yeah. Um, he then fought loads of Jedi and, and it took, you know, he says himself, it took loads of them to, to actually beat him yeah. in combat, but they refused to give him his warrior's death and therefore <laughs> locked him away for a couple of hundred years, which I'd be pretty pissed at the Jedi as well. If I, they locked me away for a couple of years <laughs> rather than sort of killing me off. So, and um, as a result of what happened, you know, to the Jedi in Order 66, he's freed and he you know, builds up the Bedlam Raiders, as you say. They take over the, the Lucha Hulk ship that was crashed on the planet, reprograms all these droids. He's got a massive army at disposal. I thought it was a really cool character in the end that was yeah. um, that was worthy of being in the game. And ideally, I, part of me almost wishes he survived so we could see him <laughs> sort of pop up and other stuff. But we're a dangerous territory with the timeline, aren't we? Because, you know, this is basically takes place in the same year that the Kenobi series takes place. So this yeah. is 10 years post-Order 66, nine years before Episode 4. And I think that, you know, they're in danger of putting too much stuff into this time frame, aren't they, where yeah. it's then going to be like, well, where the hell are all these people in the original trilogy? <laughs> they had to do this with Rogue One, where they were forced to rewrite the ending because they had that original ending where everyone actually survived. Yeah. And then they were ordered to rewrite it because they're like, we can't justify <laughs> these people getting the Death Star plans and then them not being involved in the original rebellion. <laughs> yeah. And that, so do you think, that worked do you, out better for me. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was a far better ending to it as well. So. Definitely. But do you think this is where sort of Lucasfilm are having to be a bit more careful? Um, and it's something we I'm going to touch on with you later on about where Cow's story goes after this. But because of where it is in the timeline, do you think they are having to be a bit more careful about not having so many people left over sort of from all their projects mm. that then, whether, then they are going to go, well, where the hell are they in the <laughs> trilogy? Yeah, I, I think it's a very good point. And it does, con for someone who's, who cares so much about canon, it concerns me a bit sometimes. Mm. And uh, I don't know whether we want to touch on it yet, but there's a certain someone who appears in this game and it bothered me because of canon. And we'll get to it later, I guess. Um, mm. But yeah, I think um, throwing stuff in there and then us being like, oh, but this person's alive at this point, this person's alive at this point. And kind of all the Jedi that are like currently alive at this point, like we've got like Ahsoka, Ezra, Every, everyone there is a hell of a lot and in, and i understand that they want to keep adding more but i think it's time to finally explore a new era which hopefully they will with acolyte and um you know maybe explore more of that high republic stuff 
and uh, show us a bit more of that. And instead of keep adding to the existing timeline, because the more you add to it, the more things start to break. Mm. And and it and it does bother me a little bit that we could eventually go down that route and things could start to make less sense. And yeah, I don't know. I don't want that to happen. <laughs> Absolutely not. No, yeah. don't need to be too crowded. No, no. <laughs> so let's pick up the story then. So Dagon's got loose. He's going off. Um, they find that you know they sort of need these compasses to be able to to get. They basically are discussing the fact that you know they can use Talonlor as a way to to go and hide from the Empire. It's a secret place. They're not going to be able to get there. It's it's out of the way that you know, and they can relax there and be free of of, of the reign of terror of, of the Galactic Empire. So they picked up. Oh, they sort of realised that they've got to get this compass and stuff to be able to travel there. And they're like, right, we're going to need some extra help on this. So they decide to go to Jeddah to go and talk to Seer. So we land on Jeddah. We um, meet Meryn as well. We we sort of pick up there and. Yep, I love Meryn. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Thumbs up there. Um, but yeah, I love Meryn as a character. We'll obviously chat all about them more in depth in a bit. But the fact that we pick up the story with her, um, they sort of have to do a bit of battling to, to, to be able to make it back to the base. Um, and it's good to see Meryn sort of hasn't lost a step of the powers. It's something they explored a little bit in that Battle Scars novel. Yeah. The fact that she, she'd left Dathomir, she was feeling a bit lost and, and losing her sort of magic power. But she on during her journey through that novel and, and obviously the couple of years after that, she managed to to explore more and she sort of managed to keep that fire within her and, and her magic sort of at full power, should we say. And there's sort of hinting again at sort of a, a romantic sort of relationship between uh, Marin and Cal. They have sort of these moments where they're you know, touching hands, falling asleep on each other's laps yeah. or whatever. <laughs> um, we get to the base and we're expected to be greeted by Sim. And we're actually greeted by Master Cordova, um, who is obviously from the from the first Fallen Order game. That to me was a nice little touch. Yeah, um, I, I wasn't necessarily expecting that, so it was good to see him come into it. Um, was that a character you liked from the first game? Were you expecting to see him in this game at all? Because we kind of assumed, you know, never confirmed, but assumed he was dead. Wasn't yeah. it? I was under the impression he was dead. I don't know. I like had it in my head. I was like, he he is dead. But there he was, and I was like, wow, okay. And seeing him reunite with BD One as well, because obviously mm, we know that was cute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I did like. I actually really like the actor who plays him. Um, I can't remember where I've, I've seen him in a lot of stuff, and I can't remember what. But I just I, I recognize his face, and I was like, yeah. He's... I think the the thing I know him the most from he was um, Stargate SG One. Ah. He was sort of like Teal'c's mentor. Right, um, as is one of the the, the Jafar soldiers. So yeah. that's the thing that I know him the most from. <laughs> I'm I'm not sure where I know him from, but I just yeah, I I'd like I tied him to the actor, and I was like, yeah, he's good, a good character. <laughs> um, yeah, and of course, very crucial to the story in the first game. So seeing him here crop up, unexpected but very good. Yeah, yeah, it was good to see him. And we find out that basically him and Seer have this. Um, this big base in the middle of the Jeddah Desert, and they've got all these acolytes from, oh, for some reason, their names just jumped up my head from the first game. The Zepho, that was it. Yeah. All these sort of Zepho acolytes because they're, you know, dressed in to look very similar. And they've been working hard on trying to restore what they can of the Jedi archives. This was what Seer sort of realized in the Battle Scars novel that she wanted to do, and she owed it to, to any future Jedi to, to save all this information and, and build up her new archive as much as she can. Um, and so we have this sort of big reunion. Sears got a shaved head now. She's got a bunch of tattoos that she's added. 
I'm not sure I was a fan of how she particularly looked in this game. Um, it was just just a bit odd. Um, yeah. for, but she was obviously, you know, she centered herself well in the force now. We, you know, she talked about the fact that she she was still battling having to stay away from the dark side because once you start touching on it, you know, you're always going to be tempted to be drawn back into it. But it seemed like she was she was very centered and calm within herself as, as the Jedi she was now. Yeah. And that her purpose and mission was to to gain all this knowledge and, and rebuild the Jedi archives as much as you could. Did you like the fact that they were sort of trying to re- rebuild the archives and gather all this information for the future? Yeah, so, I mean, Sia, I feel like uh, she's come a long way since we last saw her in Fallen Order. And like you say, I guess Battle, Battle Scars kind of sets up what we see from Sia in this game with her collecting the Jedi artifacts and hopefully rebuilding the Jedi archives. Um I fully enjoyed that aspect, and I I love the fact that it's very fittingly being done on Jeddah, um, which we all know how that ends. So mm-hmm. I I, I kind of knew from the start that it wouldn't necessarily have a happy ending. Um, I like that she's working with the hidden path as well now. Mm. Um, did she help to create it, or did the hidden path already exist and she joined it? I I mean that that's not made exactly clear no. um, from what I said there. I've got a feeling that maybe she joined in with it, that others yeah. started it, and she's then become a part of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and obviously, it's unclear where this sits in the timeline compared to where the Kenobi series is. I see. So, yeah. for all we know, it could be days apart, but for all we know, one could be in January, the other could be in December. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's not made clear exactly. But all we know is that they both happen in the same year. So, obviously, a nice sort of. Yeah, hint there of, of 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 a connection to the other stuff. Yeah, good connection. And, and mentioning the hidden path, definitely. Um, um, yeah, I think she's interesting. Maybe not as interesting as she was in the first game, but maybe that's because her entire arc was almost complete in the first game with Trilla and stuff. Yeah. And it kind of felt like it kind of nicely came to an end. Uh, that one, I would say, and. At the end of Fallen Order, there wasn't much left for her to do apart from be a mentor to Cal, mm. which I guess happened during the, that five-year time frame. So I suppose they did the right thing here um, by doing what they did with her character. And I do like the idea of rebuilding the archives, although, like I say, how that ends. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, since we knew that the archives weren't going to be around <laughs> and the original trilogy and stuff there, it was going to come a moment, but... <laughs> yeah. So obviously they realise that they've got to you know, find these compasses and you end up sort of jumping for a bit, going back and forth between Kobo and the Shattered Moon of Kobo, um, where they've got sort of a big base on there. Um, again, you're having various sort of showdowns between the raiders, um, doing exploring on Kobo and obviously exploring on the Shattered Moon where you come across um, Ravis um, and have a sort of little battle against him. And um, and that's where we learn sort of how hard he's going to be to defeat because yeah. like I said Cal took a good few swipes at him, sticks his <laughs> sticks his lightsaber straight through his chest, and the dude just doesn't even flinch. So <laughs> you know he's going to at some point be a pain in the backside to beat. But um, part of exploring on Kobo, you're obviously going to a lot of different caves and systems, a lot of unique animals that we see. Um, one of my favourites being um, the Mogu, which is basically looks like um, a black wumper. Um, and lots of other cool animals and sort of I think an iconic moment that they kind of spoiled in obviously a lot of the the bits running up to it but we get to face off against the Rancor yeah 
And not just once. No, <laughs> multiple occasions. <laughs> I think that's what was hidden, is you beat the, you, know, you fight, stumble across that first rank, or mm. um, I put up a video of when I played it and I got bodied on the very first go. <laughs> just jump in and he just grabs you and eats you straight away. Yeah. Um, but, you know, you love the fact that they're introducing so many new animals, because obviously it's planets we've never seen before, but producing something familiar as well, which is a challenging thing to beat in the game itself. Yeah, I so I really like that there's so much diversity to the enemies in this as well. There is so many creatures, mm. almost equivalent to like how many different types of normal enemies there are, like stormtroopers and stuff. Um, yeah, I, I mean, Kobo quite clearly has a lot of wildlife uh, based on the amount of different types that we're uh, encountering. And obviously, do we know where the Rancors are actually from? Um, or are, are we to are we to assume that they exist on like multiple planets? Because you know, there's a lot on Kobo clearly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm not. I think I think there, there may be a canon answer to be fair. It's not something off the top of my head. No. I think I think Cal mentioned during this, or it said in the notes. Um, if you like, pause the game and you're reading the sort of the the data pad as you oh, go through yeah. it. That he says that um he, he's unsure if the Rancor sort of was native to here or whether someone brought it here and left oh, it there, right. but. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's something we don't know. And I think, did you come across that second one when you're searching well underneath, sort of underground? Yeah. And you're facing off against a couple of like the bedroom raider bosses. Yeah. yeah. All of a sudden, there's just this rancor just in a dark corner that just appears <laughs> out of nowhere. Um, I actually caught this quite early. I was because I, <laughs> I tagged a picture of it in the fact that. I was battling one of them, and I just saw it in the darkness in the corner, the face of a rancor, and I just like paused the game to just screenshot it, and I'm like, "There is a rancor back there." <laughs> so like, I was thankfully well prepared. You just um, see the health bar appear at the top of your screen, and you're like, "Oh god!" You're like, "This, this is what's about to happen." And then they randomly appear in the wild. Yeah, after the after the fact. Yeah, mm. after, yeah. It just just. You know, jogging down the street on your on your neko, all of a sudden one just appears out of nowhere. I'm like, what the hell are you doing here? Go away! Don't need to battle you right now. <laughs> so yeah, if we, we're spending this time you know, going back and forth between the Shadow Moon and, and Kobo, you know, there's lots of t- time to explore as well. As I said, especially on Kobo um, and, and Jeddah as well, plenty of things that you can do on there. Plenty of um, little puzzles to solve and, yeah. and bits like that. Did you like the amount of extra side bits that you could do in this game? Because I spent a long time taking a break from the main mission to go around and do all this stuff because I'm like, I want to get a lot of this stuff done so I can concentrate on the main mission. But hours of it, to be fair. Same. Um, I, I personally... Some games I find it like insufferable, but with this, I thoroughly enjoyed it. It's like you'd be walking down like the mission path or whatever and there'd be like a wall run and you can see it and you're like, I can wall run up there. Let's go do that. And then you do that and you find something and then you're like, hang on a minute, I can go over there and do this. And then the next minute I'm over there finding something else. And it, it was a constant cycle of that. And it took me hours to actually progress in the main story because I was doing all, I was collecting all the stuff. Mm. And it's very rare that a game can can do that for me. Um, and I don't know if it's because it's Star Wars or if it's because uh, the game's just designed so well, like the the level design and stuff. Um, but I actually really wanted to go and collect these things, all of them. Maybe not the seeds, <laughs> <laughs> but I did do that in the end to get my 100%. Um, but yeah, I, it is a collectathon. It's one of those. But you don't have to do it by any means. If you want to play the game and not do that, mm. you don't have to. 
but having that option there for me was really good and I quite happily sunk a lot of time into doing that, like finding all the chests, finding all the priorite shards, you know, um, doing all the force tears and stuff like that. There was so much side stuff. And then obviously the actual side quests and stuff you get from talking to like villagers and whatnot on Kobo. There's a mm-hmm. hell there's a hell of a lot of stuff. And all, but- the optional um what they called? High Republic like tomb things. Yeah. Sh- mm-hmm. like shrines from Breath of the Wild almost. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like it. I do enjoy it. I mean, that was, to me, it was a quite a fun part is the fact that you're going off to, and you're meeting these other sort of villagers or, or people in the wild of, of Kobo. And then you're sort of sending them back to the saloon. Yes. And you're adding to the saloon. So you've got different people you can go and talk to. Then you've got slightly different vendors that you can go and, and obviously buy things from or, or, or chat to. And even the, the Hollow Tactics table, I actually oh. really enjoyed playing that. Um, I spent a, f- a good few hours playing on that. To be fair, <laughs> so did, so did I got I. very distracted in the fact that like I'm supposed to be completing these side bits so I can go and do the mission, and then I spent two hours playing Hollow Tactics. Yeah, yeah. Normally um, they, they put stuff that like that in games, and I will ignore it. But in this, I found it, I tried it, and I was on it for hours. I just, I, I, I can't explain it. It was just really good. <laughs> I think they could release that as a mobile game. Yeah. Would, <laughs> I mean, I don't know other games that are maybe similar to it, but I would, <laughs> as a Star Wars version, if they brought out a Hollow Tactics mobile game, I would completely play that. I'd play fair. it. I'd sink time into it on the bus or whatever, on the train, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so... As the story's progressing through, as I said, we've been going back and forth, sort of finding out more bits of information, and then the High Republic droid gets kidnapped, or droidnapped, as they say, <laughs> and we've got to do one of my favourite missions, which was go to the um, Lucha Hulk Federation ship, and to go and rescue the the, um, the the droid. So if you're a prequels fan, or you're a Clone Wars fan, this was a great mission to do, because you're making your way through the ship. He's getting to see all the various droids that we sort of encountered already, to be fair, but you're getting to go up against them and see the inside of it and, and all the sort of nice little Easter eggs and stuff like that. But once you get to sort of the top of the ship um, and you sort of get to rescue the droid, you've got your sort of second face-off against against Dagon. To me, this one was probably the easiest one out of the three to actually sort of beat him in and, and after he makes his escape. Um, but then it sort of all kicks off a little bit after this because... Um, you've got to go to the Shat Moon again, where you face off against Ravis, and then he's sort of like, "Cool, I've um," and then I'm, oh, sorry, I've sort of lost where I was at then. <laughs> that was it. Sorry, and and basically, you find out that you know you, you're gonna you've got to go and and face off against Dagon for the third time, and this is where he's got the um the only compass that's going to get you through the Kobo Abyss and get you to the planet Tanalor. So during this time, they've obviously decided that, um, that not only are they going to sort of take their people there, like Bode wants to take his daughter there to be able to escape and be safe, but Cal also wants to use it for the hidden path. He wants to you know, give it to Seer. They can use it for the hidden path and send anyone that's trying to escape the Empire families, um, any Force sensitives, this is a place where they can be safe. So they go into this big observatory, and they have to have this final face-off against against Dagon. Uh, this was a really interesting battle because we got to see something in this battle that we've never seen before in any sort of Star Wars lore, um, really, which was sort of the Force illusion power. Yeah. Uh, when you're facing off against against Dagon, 
Um, he he uses it to sort of cloud your vision and your, and your judgment and confuse you with what's going on. And he also seemed to use it to give himself a false arm. <laughs> yeah. So it's like this ghost arm appears out of nowhere and is able to use a lightsaber. Um, but obviously, with the help of BD and, and Bode, you know they they managed to sort of take him down um, at the very end of it, and and of course he he's killed in the end by Cal. Yeah. Um, and and that sort of you know brings the the, the closure to Dagon's story there. How are you feeling then about this sort of final showdown? The the whole thing about the Force illusion power. So I'm I'm not sure. So it almost looks like Cal learns to use it on the spot because he. Um, makes himself turns himself into Santari Kree, mm. um, which obviously then gets through to Dagon and then catches him off guard, and that's when Cal manages to kill him. Um, so it's like Cal almost learnt it on the spot as well because Dagon was using it. Um, I think him growing back his arm was strange. <laughs> I accept it though; it's fine. I was just like, you know, whatever. Um, yeah, but Force Illusion. I don't know. It could be could be dangerous uh, <laughs> for Cannon, couldn't it? Um, I don't know. I've, that final battle though was great. Um, like you say though, I do think the second one that we had was the easiest, and the first one when he first comes out of the back to tank and he's like topless or whatever. Mm. That one was pretty hard, and I was like, Jesus, this guy's going to be tough. But that third one, yeah, probably definitely the best. And Force Illusion. Um, yeah, does Cal now know it? I don't know. It, it... I think he says that he he manages to use his own fears against him. Right. So the fact that this dude was fearful of of Santari and and what she'd done to him in the past, and yeah, yeah. and the fact that he you know would he be able to escape to Tanalor, and the fact that he wanted to raise an army of force sensitives and come back and cleanse the galaxy of the Empire, he was just fearful that Santari had stopped him before, and and Cal somehow managed to do that within his own mind, I yeah. think, rather than him full out using the Force Illusion power. He oh, just managed to make Dagon think that, that that's what was going on. Yeah, yeah. But at the end, you know, the, the dude's dead, isn't he? So yeah. <laughs> it'd be interesting to, to maybe see a bit more about him, whether we get him in any of the High Republic novels or comics that they've been doing as a sort of nice tie-in so we get to see, as he said, learn a bit more about his, his particular species and yeah. where they came from because it was very interesting looking. Definitely. And, and obviously, we, I mean, I don't know about you, but I love the look of the High Republic Jedi of the time with the robes and stuff like that. I agree. But, but, um, but yeah, Tagging's story comes to an end. They get the compass, and then it's a trip back again to Jeddah, where they give the compass to Master Cordova, and he's going to fix it. And um, I think it's during this time as well. Um, you know, they're all on the clifftop having tea while Cordova's fixing it. <laughs> And they're all sort of like, yep, this is cool, nice, we sort of know our plan, we've got the compass, we're going to take the hidden path to, to, to Tanalor and anyone else that wants to be safe and we can have this nice escape from the Empire. Although Cal's sort of questioning, is this the end of his story, isn't he? Because he's like, I've spent years now fighting the Empire and this is what I really know. If if we just go there and stay there for the rest of our lives, what are we, is this the end of my story? You know, I don't know how to do anything else right now. Yeah. But he also has this moment with Merrin where he finally tells her that, yep, I know what I want now. I want to be with you. And they have the kiss where she's like, finally, you realized it. And I've heard a lot of people cheering for this moment because it seemed like they had a lot of connection from the first uh, game going to this one. Are you, are you shipping these two at all? I am. Uh, I don't know why. I just really like Merrin as a character. And I know 
so I've watched a few of those recaps of Battle Scars, and I know that they kind of do a romance plot with uh, Fret, is it? Mm. Um, and I feel like the whole purpose of that was almost to make the realization for Cal that he what he wants really is to be with Merrin more impactful because it's kind of that the book kind of highlights Cal's jealousy or whatever, doesn't it? And um, yeah, I don't know. I feel like finally getting Merrin and Cal. Uh, to kiss and whatnot was was good. Um, I'm never normally like that with stuff, but this game, obviously, the way that they wrote it and stuff, and the first game, um, made me feel something for those two characters. And I just because mm. they're they're both very similar in that they almost have no one, neither, and both of them have lost almost the entirety of their people. And um, yeah, and I just yeah. I think it was good. I do. I'm quite happy with it. And there's a lot of good Merrin scenes, like when they're around the campfire or mm. whatever, and she's like looking to the fire. Um, and she like puts puts her head, as you say, puts her head on him. And uh, yeah, I think this was definitely. Um, it, I mean, it was a long time coming, but we got it, and I'm very happy with it. I think. It's, yeah, they have a lot to bond over, and a lot of good bonding moments as well. Yeah. And I even, to be fair, missed out on what was, to me, one of the best parts of the game was um, when they're going off on this little mission together on Jenna the first time you go there, they're going to meet the the contact who has, like, the hidden path contact codes or whatever because the Empire are closing in on them and, and, and going for them. And so they hightail it off to this sort of part of, of the Jenna desert, to this temple over there, and they sort of go through that together and then that bit when they're trying to escape, when she's using a lot of her magic powers, and this bit as well where she sort of uses a magic where they're always sort of like flying through the air through different portals at different points as well, um, and they have the bonding moment over that. To me, that was actually a really one of the best parts of the game for me, and sort of something you don't obviously necessarily see in a Star Wars game is getting to to fly as a yeah. person through lots of portals and stuff. So I thought that was something that connected them quite heavily, but it's also one of the actual best gameplay parts of the game in what you got to do. Um, so it sort of sets up them going on to that moment where they do get to kiss. Um, but then going back to the story mode is, is obviously you've got the moment where they go and check on what's going on with the um, the compass. Cordova has fixed it, so they're like, yes, we can get to Tanalor. And then the big sucker punch sort of comes. Um <laughs> where I don't know if you saw it coming or not. Personally, I sometimes get a bit too wrapped up in the game to maybe see these things coming because I'm just concentrating on what's happening in front of me with the story to sort of maybe predict it too much. Um, but it, you, they sort of turn around and Bode's got Master Cordova at gunpoint and he's taking the compass. And, um, and Bode's like, I'm taking this now, don't try and stop me. And Cordova's like, you don't need to do this, son. And then he just shoots Cordova in the chest, kills him dead, takes the compass, runs away. Cal goes flying after him. And again, what to me was one of the, the really good sort of sequences of the game where he gets to jump on the speed, he's going yeah. through the desert. Yeah. Um, he's trying to have to go through the Empire as well because it turns out that Bo's contacted them and brought them to um to, to the base. Did you um did you find those speeders beforehand? In in yeah. and did you like look at them and he was like oh I wish I could ride those and then that happens and you're like oh wow 
Yeah, I did, did find there. him in that little obviously room at, at the bottom of the sort of other chamber, didn't you? Yeah, and yeah. And I was sort of like, I wonder if we do get to ride those yeah. later on in the game. <laughs> yeah. And then the minute he started running off, Bode, I was like, I bet I'm going to use that speed now, to be fair. Um, but yeah, cool sequence sort of going through the Jelly Desert. Um, that cool moment as well that we saw in one of the trainers, to be fair, we get to flip a stormtrooper up into the air, oh, yeah. straight into the front of a TIE fighter. Yeah. Uh, and he sort of catch up with Bode. Um, and they're having a sort of tussle. And then a, another sort of big reveal that Bode pushes Calloway using the Force. And it's revealed that Bode is actually a survivor himself of Order 66. He used to be um, part of the Jedi intelligence. And so he wasn't sort of surrounded necessarily by by clone troopers during Order 66. And he used his skills that he'd learned in intelligence to be able to escape. He cut himself off from the Force up to then, but sort of retouched himself with it and... You know, they have a battle and he pulls out a red lightsaber. Yeah. Um, which turns out to be one that he, one of Dagangera's that yeah. he took, um, that he got from the um, observation platform that they where they sort of killed him, I think. I'm glad that was explained because I was confused at first. I was like, not another Sith. Stop throwing Sith, <laughs> Stop throwing Sith at us. Come on. <laughs> it's something that, yeah, I sat there and thinking about and going, okay, so this dude actually seems pretty on the level. He doesn't seem to yeah. have a lot of hatred or fear or anything like that. You know, is this his lightsaber and he's bled this crystal? Yeah. But he's just not sort he of fully turned it. to the dark side. Yeah, he just rubbed it off some dead guy, to be fair. Um, but, you know, he's got his, his own story that basically he's stealing the compass because he wants to take his door to Carter, to, to Tanalore, and doesn't want the risk of having the hidden path there that they might be found. And so she can live in peace. Um, and you think you're going to have maybe a battle with him and you end up getting pushed off the cliff. <laughs> You get wrecked. And it looks like, yeah, I, it was the fact that for that split second that, that you think, oh shit, this cow just died because <laughs> yeah. sort of it comes up and it, and it goes respawn after a black screen. You're yeah. like, is he just, no, he can't be dead, surely. Well, it's like we were fighting him and we didn't have BD1 and I was like, no, I need my stims. I was like, no. <laughs> and then we get on to what to me was probably one of the coolest bits of the game. And then it sort of, you come back round and you're playing a seer. Um, and you're trying to help repel the Empire's um, attack on, on the base. So you and Marin are going off together, and you're sort of just trying to wipe out as much as you can. You get to, to take out a few walkers. You get to take out mass amounts of, of, um, of stormtroopers. And I've got to admit, Seer was pretty badass at this. Oh, yeah. Um, I've heard a few people say they didn't like the fact that you know, when you've built up a character like Cowan in terms of, you know, you've upgraded him and you've got all of his abilities and you've got all of his stims, yeah. and then you switch it to a different character there, you can do pretty much all the same stuff, but you don't have necessarily the same, like, uh, lightsaber stances and you don't have all the stims that yeah, you did yeah. with her. But she was pretty badass and pretty powerful, to be fair. She was, you know, one-shotting troopers all over the place. She's got some pretty good skills. Mm. And she basically almost, I'm going to say single-handedly, but... 90% of the way wiped out all the stormtroopers that, that are attacking the base. She did. Um, and then we get this killer moment where she's like, you know, she gives BD the sort of hidden path contact codes and she's like, you've got to go to the ship. Marin's going to stay with the ship as well with Grease and protect it. She's like, I've got to go and save as much of the Jedi archive as I can. So they head back there. She's in the middle of doing this. <laughs> then she senses that someone's coming to the door. And it was, this was sort of, for foreboded to us by Bode when he's saying to Callum when they had their battle, he's like, something terrible is coming for the archive. He's like, you should be getting back there rather than fighting me. It didn't really click at the time, <laughs> but these doors are opened and Darth Vader himself walks into the room. 
Um, this man obviously has some unfinished business from the first game with Seer, so it's no surprise really that he's come for it because this is one of the rare Jedi that post Order 66 has managed to escape his grasp. And they have this sort of badass little interaction where she's like, oh, yeah, I'm, so, I'm sorry that you didn't drown um, in the Inquisitoris. <laughs> and he's just like, it's funny that you think that anything that you did have any consequence. He's like, the Inquisitoris continue with their mission. Um, he's like, you know, we're still hunting down the Jedi. And he's like, and I have come for you. <laughs> and then they have this this battle and we really get to see, I think, how much Seer has maybe progressed in the last five years um, and how badass maybe she really was as a warrior because it's maybe easy to take out Stormtroopers. But for a decent amount of time, she held her ground with Vader. She did. She did. Um, a lot of people were complaining that maybe Vader was a bit too easy to take on, um, and that, and some people even implying that, or maybe a bit of headcanon that this was maybe in the same the week after he had his battle with Anakin, so he was maybe still a bit fragile and a bit weak. That's what I was thinking about, like the Kenobi show. I was like, oh yeah, mm. he's he's just been beat by Kenobi like the other day, and now here he is on Jedi fighting <laughs> fighting Seer. Um, yeah. But they have they have a, a really good battle. To be fair, she looks like she's getting the upper hand at times. And then when you get down to about I don't know, like about a fifth of Vader's health bar left, you're thinking, okay, what's going to happen here? Because we know <laughs> Vader's not going to die, no. so something has to happen here. And I think the the minute the doors open and Vader comes through, we know what's going to happen. Hmm. So Sia sort of looks like she's she's got him on the ropes. She does a big diving move towards him, places her lightsaber straight between his side and his arm missing, but he doesn't miss <laughs> and. Uh, and sticks her with his lightsaber. He limps away, and just as it, she, she falls to the ground, Cal sort of turns back up again to to capture it you know, and die in, in, in his arms. Yeah, were you loving Vader's appearance in this? Did you? I've heard some people say it wasn't necessarily needed. Tell me how you were feeling about it. Can you tell how I feel about this? <laughs> <laughs> Something tells me you weren't that thrilled. <laughs> I um, I kind of agree with those people. I would say it's not needed. Um, this might be like a hot take or controversial point. Um, and do let me know if you agree or disagree with this one. But I'm kind of getting a bit tired of seeing Vader in Star Wars media now. And I think it's time that they moved on. Like, I think this game could have done without it. We didn't need Vader in this game. Um, and the reason I say that is because to me, it feels like if it takes place during a time frame where Vader is alive, they almost feel obligated to chuck him in. And the more they do that, the more it takes away from what Vader is, especially when you see him getting beaten up like he did here, you know? Um, for me, the hallway scene in Rogue One was enough, you know, to, to really showcase the kind of power and stuff that Vader has. And if they keep giving him these big epic fights like they did in, in Kenobi and then here, um, it, it, it kind of ruins my believability almost of the fight between him and Obi-Wan at the end of A New Hope where it's just like two senile old men batting sticks together. Um, I really care about the the canon and stuff. So when I see A New Hope and I, I see that fight between Obi-Wan and Vader, I'm going to think back to like these fights that I know have occurred in relatively recently. And um, yeah, like his first showdown with Kenobi in, in the Kenobi show and the other fights that he's had in the past, like his first, yeah. Um, and it just highlights like kind of a bit of inconsistency in places. I understand this is why I say they shouldn't keep adding to the existing stuff. They should they should start exploring other things. And um, yeah, 
that being said, I like I loved Vader in Fallen Order because I love the fact that you didn't have to fight him. Like Cal couldn't take him anyway. He just ran. Yeah, yeah. Like he would have got destroyed if he tried to take him. So instead, we just run away from him. And Vader's almost like this force of nature as he chases you down and like rips the base apart. Um, not to mention, it was it was actually a nice surprise in that game when he showed up behind Triller and killed her, and you hear the breathing, and it's just like mm. you say, it it gave me chills as well. Um, and it was done perfectly for me in that game. And he just had this like presence. Um, that genuinely made me scared for Cal in that moment. But for me, the, the Seer and Vader, Vader fight doesn't really work that much. Um, a, I don't really have the same attachment to Seer that I, you know, you've only just started playing as of like five minutes before. Um, you just got given control with of her, and she's the one that gets to fight Vader. Not that I want Cal to face Vader because I don't at all. I don't want that to happen, and I, it probably will in the third game because of what they've done here. Mm. Um, but yeah, him showing up just didn't shock me or impact me the same way as it did in the first game. And he showed up, and the doors opened, and it was just like, oh, it's Vader. But in the <laughs> in the first game, I was genuinely surprised and caught off guard by it. So I feel like doing it again here didn't didn't work the same the rest mm. of the game though incredible like one of my top top games but they didn't need this moment i don't think and i don't know if you agree or disagree i can't <laughs> tell <laughs> well if you look behind me just just over here this is like 90 percent vader there's a vader helmet directly behind me there's a vader lightsaber over this side with anakin's lightsaber over here um <laughs> I yeah, I am a big Vader fan. Yeah, uh, to yeah. be honest, so <laughs> to me, the more Vader, the better. Mm, yeah. I understand sometimes they might overplay their hand with him yeah, in yeah. terms of putting him into too much stuff just because he happens to be in this time frame. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think sometimes when Star Wars are trying to do stuff that is outside of the Jedi and the Sith. Mm they still feel a need to throw a Jedi or Sith in there somewhere to make it remind us that this is Star Wars. This isn't just normal stuff. I think that's maybe why Andor was such a big surprise. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't only just obviously well acted and really well written. It was the fact that it didn't actually, because we know obviously Vader shows up in Rogue One. Mm. So it's the fact that it didn't really have any of the Sith or Jedi in it. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's just, you know, because I hear a lot of people always crying for, projects that are outside of the Sith and Jedi for Star Wars. Let's see more of that. Yeah. You know, they they maybe tried it with the solo film and obviously we got a more cameo at the end, but yeah. you know, that's for the for you know 99% of it there's <laughs> no Jedi or Sith involvement, but it, that film didn't necessarily work so well. Mm. So I do hear a lot of people calling for stuff that to to be shown outside of the Sith and Jedi. But at the same time, these are the same people that are calling for Old Republic Star Wars, yeah. where we see the Sith Empire and the Jedi <laughs> sort of battling against each other. So in terms of having, you know, is Vader absolutely necessary for this story? Not necessarily so, but I also see why they included him, because he had unfinished business with Sith. Yeah, yeah. And if he's being tipped off by someone like Bode, who's been working for Imperial Intelligence, the ISB, sort of under under the radar, but for, you know, for someone else, but he's tipped off Vader that, hey, there's a secret Jedi archive base yeah, on yeah. Jeddah, and it's run by somebody that, that you, you're going to know and you're, you're going to want. So it makes sense why Vader is the one that comes for her. Mm. I also I do obviously understand the point that no, he wasn't yeah. necessary to this game to make it work. But 
for huge Vader fanboys like myself, it's <laughs> still a cool moment that you get to, to fight against them again and you actually get to have a genuine fight against them rather than a... Running away. Right. Yeah, I mean, I still love the front of the Prince because like we said, it sends chills down the spine. Mm-hmm. There's no way that Cal can actually fight this dude no. because during that first game, I must have died to him about four or five times before I actually realised that you're supposed to pull that thing down and distract him. <laughs> yeah. Because I tried I tried to battle him, and I'm just like, every time you're just getting your neck snapped instantaneously. <laughs> so, coming off the back of that, I see why he was brought in, because, yeah, this was you know someone that we wanted to see, because one, she's a Jedi on the loose, mm. and, and maybe the Inquisitors weren't good enough to take her down, but Vader's like, I've got unfinished business with her. She's mine. Yeah. He comes for her. He gets to... Beating him up to the point that she did was maybe, yeah. I think, do we maybe put too much God status on Vader and his ability to fight everyone? Cause, yeah, that is also true. Um, you know, do, there are going to be other Jedi that can take him on to a point where he's going to get a beat down at some point, but yeah. not necessarily get killed. Yeah. So people saying that, you know, she, she got too much of a, of a smack down him at different points, but she did pull, like, the vast majority <laughs> of the Jedi archive down on top of him, to be fair. Yeah, she did. And that's going to fuck anyone up a little bit, isn't it? So... <laughs> Um, but yeah, so let's return to our <laughs> to our story then. So we've got our our brilliant maid of omen out of the way. I mean, I, and... it's not like it wasn't completely unwarranted because, like we say, Sia's death is obviously going to then have an impact on yeah. on Cal. So you know, it does make sense. It's not that it doesn't. It's just yeah. I, I, I mean, made... did we always knew that Sia was going to be sacrificed in this game? I think probably so. I, mm. I it was one of the things I had on like my mind before this game came out. I was like, I don't think Sia's going to make it through this game, no, to be fair. No, like I say, it almost felt like her arc was complete in the first game with Triller. Um, mm. So it's kind of like, it was almost a given that she was going to die here at some point. I just think maybe it could have been a cutscene instead of a fight. You know, I don't know. Anyway, we'll move on. <laughs> <laughs> well, obviously, as you said, you know, it's going to have an impact on the rest of the crew, which it does. You know, they're all sort of mourning for it, but they know that you know they've got to go and hunt down Bode. Um, and we get to go to this sort of little ISB base um, where you're sort of sneaking through, and it turns out that Cal's been working with the uh, Cal, sorry, Bode's been working with the guy that's in charge of this base. He's kept him and his daughter sort of safe from the from the Inquisitors. Um, and we obviously learn a bit more about Bode's backstory here as well, and the fact that you know his uh, the Inquisitors came for. For, for him, but his wife was there instead and she gets killed. He manages to escape with her and he turns to this guy whose name escapes me off the top of my head, the one that's in charge of the, the ISB. Uh, Denvik. That's the one, Denvik. Um, and it turns out they actually worked together during the, um, the, the Clone Wars um, in intelligence. And this is why Bo knew to be able to go to him and they have their arrangement that he feeds him sort of info and he keeps them safe. And this is where Denvik also realises he's kind of screwed because... Um, the fact that Bode actually tipped off Vader because uh, he reveals that you know the Jedi operation was still months away from being implemented, and Cal's like, oh, "What? Well, no, Darth Vader showed up," <laughs> and he's like, "Oh crap!" He sort of realised that he's been sold out by Bode because, and that Bode actually lured Cal to this base to wipe all the ISB out as well to keep him in, in his identity safe. Um, and during this mission, obviously, you know, we sort of see Bode again, and and Bode again manages to screw Cal over, and this is where we sort of. Get to me again. What was a cool moment in the game where Cal unleashes his rage and taps into the dark side? And you have that moment when you press your two buttons down, he goes into rage mode, and he's just one shotting everyone in sight and just rushing around and wiping it all out. 
um, and basically, yeah, wipes out this entire base. Um, were you loving this particular little mission? The fact that we get to see Cal giving into his anger a bit and tapping into the dark side, and it's obviously Merrin that's trying to draw him back again. Yes, I really enjoyed it. And let me just say that that power makes it is so OP. Like if you want, <laughs> if you want to go fight those two rancors in that force tear, do it when, after you've got this power because you can, it makes it so much easier. Um, yeah, I think like you say, Merrin is um, kind of like the one thing holding Cal back from actually fully slipping to the dark, I would say. And I feel like without Merrin, um, Cal may possibly like succumb to the darkness, which mm. kind of makes me scared for the third game about what they might do with Merrin. <laughs> but, you know, uh, I see that as a possibility. And, um, yeah, I think, like we always say with the Jedi, the Jedi are flawed truly sticking with sticking to the light and there has to be that balance of light and dark. It's okay to have emotions and stuff like that. Just don't let it overcome you. And um I think Cal's this this bit where he just goes ham against the ISB was yeah one of the best for me. And I think being bringing it back to the Empire and the Imperial stuff because most of the game you don't you don't see the Empire a lot. Mm. Um, it's a lot of battle droids and bedlam raiders and monsters, and with you know with the empires tossed in a few times there. But a lot of the story doesn't really um, revolve around the empire that much, I would say. So coming here, which is just purely empire people, like because it's the ISB base, um, yeah, was it was just nice to see. Um, yeah, I definitely think like the dark side power. Is good and hopefully if we do get a third game we kind of have cal who has a balance of that he has a bit of light he has a bit of dark and hopefully some dark side powers but not too op <laughs> not too op don't want to turn into star killer no, at this point. <laughs> no. which star wars theory actually said that mm. and um he said that we, we could maybe take cal down the star killer route and he could become vader's apprentice and i was like no please Star Wars theory, you're wrong. <laughs> yeah, another another loss for Star Wars theory on that suggestion, to be fair. Yes. Um, and then Vic gets his comeuppance as well, because we sort of learn a little bit afterwards that Vader basically turns up and, and force chokes him to death. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, then Vic lost out either way on that one. <laughs> and he says to Cal, um, like, rather you than Vader, but then, you know, we see what happens. <laughs> Yeah, so gutted for Denver got that one, but never mind. <laughs> um, so Bode's gone off to Tanalor with the, with his daughter. He's used the compass, and the and the team find out that um, Santari had actually managed to find another way using the arrays to get them through the Kobo Abyss. So they decide, yep, let's let's head off on this mission. Then um, they just make it through the Abyss, and Cal using the Force at the right moment to to um, to hyperspace them through it. And sort of weird moment that when they arrive, they're safe. <laughs> no, it's just, I don't know why it struck me as being slightly weird and out of place, but they get through the abyss, make it to Tanalor, and the first thing that happens is Grease celebrates and Merrin and Cal kiss. <laughs> and like, they're like literally like shoulder to shoulder with Grease in the cockpit when they do it. It was a bit random. I, but... I love how Grease is like still screaming with his eyes closed, like when they make it through. Like... <laughs> it's <just> like, ah. <laughs> yeah. But so they made it to Tanalor. You know, it looks like a beautiful planet. And you go to the temple that was left there and time for the final showdown with Bode. Um, you know, they, they're trying to convince him again that, you know, give us the compass, just 
let let the hidden path come here as well. There's no reason why. You, and I, I didn't. I don't know how you feel about this, but I thought Bode's sort of motives here, sort of that's where they turn a bit daft because <laughs> he was like trying to keep the entire fucking planet for himself. He's like, it's an entire planet. Can you not share it with other people? Yeah. Um, why is it just for you and Kata only? Like, you know, if you're worried that the Empire is going to find it one day and find a way to get there if you bring all the hidden path there, that you're putting your, your daughter's life at risk. I mean, go to the other side of the bloody planet then. Just stay as far away from the hidden path as possible. There's no reason why he can't do that. I felt that his conviction, maybe it's something about this planet itself that we don't understand, like Tantalor, it mm. drove Dagon, Dagon mad in, in terms of him wanting to use it as a base. It, it seemed to turn Bode a bit doolally in that, terms of him wanting for it for himself. That would be really cool if it's like the planet's cursed or something. And, you know, mm. yeah, it has like dark side energy or something. It just seemed to me that his <laughs> his stubbornness with wanting to have it for himself and his daughter and absolutely no one else was taking it a bit to the extreme in the believability of it all. I agree, because, um, I mean, th- like, the Hidden Path are all about hiding Force Sensitives. Bode is Force Sensitive. I assume Kata might be Force Sensitive. Why didn't hmm. he just say, do you know what, fellas? I'm Force Sensitive. Hide me on Tanelor. And, you know, we can all we can all be happy on Tanelor and hide, and it'll be great. But he doesn't do that. <laughs> he takes the he takes it the hard route. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely a strange sort of you know hill to die on, so to speak. Isn't <laughs> yeah. it? It's like you've got an entire an entire hidden planet. Like no, 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 it's just us. <laughs> Everyone else can get lost. Um, so they have their final showdown, and you know, Bode kicks ass. To be fair, um, you know, we don't know how strong of a Jedi this is, but you know, he takes on Cal and Merrin essentially at the same time, and for the most part. It, does a good job at, at kicking both their asses. You know, that is one point where he's choking Cal out. I think this is the bit where he obviously gets killed, but, um, you know, he's obviously sort of turning and giving into his anger because he's even like force pushing his daughter around. Yeah. And Marin has to save her and take her off to the side to keep her out of the way. And then he's, yeah, he's there. This, he's sort of choking out Cal and he's force choking Marin at the same time. Um, and they manage to, you know, get themselves out of it. And then Cal kills him with his own gun that he gifted to him mm. in this sort of case of irony, to be fair. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, Carter, his daughter, didn't seem particularly too broken no. up about the fact that her father had just been killed. I was going to mention that, um, yeah. She's, uh, she's very much, okay, cool. So, yeah, he seemed a bit on the extreme side. So, <laughs> okay, I'm, you know, he's dead, fair enough. She's just That's... like, oh, yeah, I, I always knew he was a bit whack. So, yeah. <laughs> Um, and and that essentially, you know, brings brings the story to to an end. We get obviously cut scene at the end where they've got Bode, um, Seer, and Cordova's bodies, and they're all giving him their sort of traditional Jedi send off by burning them on on top of you know on, on a pyre. Um, I thought this, I don't know why this creeped into my head when I was watching that scene, but I thought obviously because Seer had you know shaved head in this one with the tattoos on top yeah, yeah. and there's the moment when they've got the cloths over them so all you're seeing is the top of the head <laughs> and you've got the top of Cordova's head and the top of Seer's head that are eventually essentially both bold <laughs> and like it's the only way they can tell them apart when they're burning them is the fact that Seer's got tattoos on the top got <laughs> 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 a very random thought but that's what occurred to me in that moment but we obviously get the moment there you know they're um yeah they're having a sort of saying good- goodbye and they're like, we've got the compass now, so we can help the hidden path out to come here and be safe from the Empire and anyone else who needs it. And, um, and obviously the game ends, but you can, you know, at the end of the game, you can travel back and forth and 
um, and still obviously you know do anything that you need to do and anything else to to complete the game or do a bit more searching. But there's obviously lots of little Easter eggs after that moment as well, where if you're going back visiting lots of places, you can find Force Echoes of yeah. Bode. Um, and also, to me, something that was out of place was it. Did you go back and chat to Merrin in the saloon afterwards? I don't think so. No. Because you go back to the saloon and you chat to all the different people that were there. You chat to Merrin. Mm. Cal basically asks her, so what are we now? Right. And Merrin says, I don't really know what we are. We need to, to sort of work it out. <laughs> and I'm like, you just spent two games and a book trying to come to the realisation. You even tell him you know, half an hour ago that you, you're glad he realised that he wanted to be with her and yeah. you kiss and you sort you of look like, like you're together. Three times. <laughs> exactly. And then she literally says to him, I don't really know what we are, but you know, we're not together. I don't think we should be together. And so that sort of just ends it in a really strange way between the two of them. Um, it was kind of a bit annoying because, like I said, they spent all that time building up to this. Yeah, and yeah. then they have this chat and she's like, I don't really think that we should maybe do this. Or, or we're not together anymore. And there was nothing that sort of <laughs> even led up to that that she would then think this after spending his time and telling him, I'm glad you finally realised you should be with me, you idiot. That's, that that line's not canon in my head. <laughs> <laughs> they should be together. They spent this entire time doing it. So to, to then make her have this line where she's like, no, we're not together. And it's sort of like, what are you doing? Yeah, it's a bit strange. But then... You know, as the games come to an end, you can just free roam. So, in terms of the the ending to this particular chapter of of Cal's story, how are you feeling about it? So, what I really liked, to be honest, was how just when I thought it was the end of the game, it wasn't. So it was like obviously the whole Dagangera ended, uh, Dagangera thing ended, and you killed him, and I thought that's it, that's the end. But then there was the whole bold thing bold thing which went on afterwards and that took a really long time and i was like this this game just keeps giving me more and more stuff and it's great um yeah ultimately quite happy with it um a bit sad that dagangera's gone i thought he was quite interesting like you said maybe we'll see him more in other star wars media learn a bit more about him um but i think i think it kind of leaves the story in an interesting place um like what's going to happen with Tanalor now? What's going to happen with uh, Kata, the daughter? Um, does she have the Force? Because it's not it's not ever confirmed. Mm. And uh, I guess it kind of looks like Merin and Cal are going to like raise her almost, and she's going to be like this Jedi Knight sister hybrid, which would be really cool. And my my personal like my what I want for the third game if we do get one would be that there would be a time jump or something and cat is a bit older maybe like 19 something like that and you play as her with those characters uh those those like powers and stuff or maybe you don't play the whole game as her but like you kind of switch between cal and cat the same way as you switch in this game with seer and cal um but yeah i think it tied up everything quite well um like we say, the High Republic stuff was very good. Um, happy to see that outside of comics and books for the first time, I think, apart from that Young Jedi Adventures show or whatever it's called <laughs> that I've not watched yet. <laughs> um, yeah, I, and um, yeah, I think the biggest thing for me is uh, like the bold twist. Like I, mm. I was kind of sus about the guy from the start, and I kind of knew maybe that he was going to like betray like. 
you know, he kind of had all, all the telltale signs of betrayal. Like, new guy shows up. He's super good at what he does. He asks a lot of questions, maybe too many. He's super friendly towards you. And then, of course, in the end, he stabs you in the back. But I did not expect the second half of that twist where he had the Force and he was a, mm. a Jedi. Like, that genuinely caught me off guard. So, very happy with that. Um, the story, all in all, really good. But, yeah, biggest takeaway being... I just wanted to see a bit more of Dag and Gera, I would say. And um excited for what may happen with Tanalor. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think they, they're gonna need to bring that back in at some point and see what's going on there, whether we learn more about what happens with the hidden path, whether they actually get to take people there or not. Mm. Or obviously assuming whether 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 that's gonna be part of the story for the for a third game, because obviously we're assuming this is gonna be a trilogy of games yeah. and that we are gonna get another another bit because we do need to obviously get a, a wrap up to this so speaking then of a, of a third game you know what because you obviously mentioned a little bit there about you would perhaps like to see a bit of a time jump mm. uh, with Kat, you get to play a bit as katia but what do you see happening in a third game and and how do you sort of see cow's story ending in this because personally <laughs> i think they need to wrap this up before the events of episode four right i don't see him making it past that because then we're then pushing again on if this was the case he's been battling the empire all this time mm. why, why was he not recruited at some point yeah by saw guerrera or the, or the rebel alliance because of his connections to fighting the empire mm. it just raises to me too many questions and and what's going on so but how would you personally like to see his story wrap up in a third game i feel like also he's potentially too op at this point it almost feels like at the end of this game he's very overpowered um i'm not sure where i would like it to go but i he must have to, he has to die mm. or some i know a lot of people are saying i'd love to see him in live action um i'm not sure where they could work him in but obviously i would like that too you know he's great um my one one issue is so is it would you say it's canon that he's mastered all five of these lightsaber stances because i highly doubt that he's like no one, no one's done that. <laughs> no, I think um, they basically have like a canon stance and a canon look for him. Yeah, true. Because yeah. they have this from the first game where you know his his canon lightsaber color is blue. Mm. Um, his canon look is is very particular. So I think it was just the, it, the part of this game was to add that customization in for the yeah. for the player to be able to have a bit of fun. Yeah, so yeah. you've got all these different lightsaber stances. Um, you've got all these different looks that you can give him um, in terms of obviously dress, hair, beard, all the, the entire lot in this game, to be fair. So mm. I think they will continue with a canon look <laughs> yeah, yeah. and a canon lightsaber for him. Um, it's definitely not canon. No. Otherwise, yeah, he's ridiculously OP. He's rid otherwise, yeah. that if he's got five different lightsaber stances that you can use. Exactly. Um, yeah, I think like be, um, Kata being raised by Meryn and Cal, maybe she slips to the dark side or something as she was a little bit too accepting of her father's fate in this game, as we say. Tanalor could maybe play a larger role and it could potentially be like a hub world for Cal in the next game, similar to how Kobo was in this game uh, and Pylon Saloon. Um, if a Jedi Temple is built there or something like that. Grease could have another saloon there, which I think he mentions at the end of this game. He says yeah. that it has potential for a franchise, so it'd be nice <laughs> to see him have another piling saloon on Tanalor, and if that is like the hub world, 
in my head that just that's like that reminds me of Jedi Outcast almost the um, the Yavin Temple mm-hmm. um, that kind of thing. Uh, seeing that on Tanalo would be kind of cool. There's lots of ways that they could take it, and I'm really not entirely sure. But like I say, I think Cal would have to die for it to make sense for canon, sadly, because there's no way there's a Jedi that OP out there at the same time as like Luke Skywalker fighting Vader in Return of the Jedi. There's, there just can't be, because like you say, why why is he not helping Luke? He's he's potentially stronger than Luke, like mm. based on what we've seen in the game. So he's gonna have to die. How that happens, I'm not sure. Will it be Vader? Probably. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm not sure. I think it's yeah. He, I think he does have to die in a third and final game. I think the prevailing theory at the moment is that he's obviously going to be doing it. To, it it's going to be like a big sacrifice to save others. Yeah, yeah. So it's so it's obviously because you know whenever anyone dies, it's got to be in a meaningful way. You can't just be randomly no. shot in, in the middle of a battle. It's got to be in a big dramatic, meaningful way to to take someone down and make them a martyr for their cause. So yeah, to me, he has to die. I would you know, prefer that. It, like I said, it's maybe wrapped up in the next in-game sort of timeline in the next sort of five years. So by the time we get to the start of, say, where Rebels is, mm. um, you know, his story's wrapped up because otherwise he could still be floating out there and <laughs> and, and there's a question of where is he. Yeah. Um, so whether we get to see... I mean, I'm not even sure how Katia Kata is in this game. To be no. fair, I don't know if she's about eight or ten or something or around there, maybe. Um, although if it's set ten years after Order 66, and I think... Bode said that he met his 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 wife after Order sixty six when he was when he'd escaped. So I think she's less definitely younger than ten. Yeah, yeah. Um, but either way, yeah, I, I die in a big way that he sacrifices himself for everyone else, and maybe you know Marin and Grease get to to be the two that survive the trilogy <laughs> and um, and live on. Although it would be maybe fitting as well that. Maybe Merrin dies in the next game as well mm. because she's the last night sister. Yeah, yeah. Um, or they die together like Andor and um, Jin, <laughs> yeah. something like that. But it wouldn't surprise me if if both of those two do go go down in the final game, and maybe Grease is the last one that lives on to tell the story. And he's just telling um, tales in his saloon yeah. on Tanalor. Exactly, that's very fitting. I quite like that. <laughs> so that's that's my prediction, or, or how I would like it to, to happen anyway. Would I like my boy Vader to be the one that strikes him down? Maybe, you know, just to add another bow to Vader's list of uh, Jedi he gets to take down. But, but yeah, so I think we've covered most of the characters, well, haven't we, you know, in terms of how Kel and Merrin hasn't necessarily changed too much, but she's found uh, her inner strength to use her magic, and she's popped back to Dathomir a few times and learned a few extra spells that we get to see. Yeah, she had a gap so she's pretty, Yeah, she's pretty powerful herself um, <laughs> at the moment. Um, obviously, we talked about Seer. Grease isn't really have too much to, to to be discussed really. I think really as a character he's we learned a lot a lot about him in the first game, but this this time he's just sort of he's your driver essentially, isn't he? Yeah. So, <laughs> he's the taxi man. Um and we've discussed Bode, Dag and, and, and Ravis. Um we've got the cameo of Vader in there and there's one other cameo that I just wanted to mention um because it's a cool little moment. Um if you complete all of the um, bounty ones with the woman from um, from the from the Pine and Saloon bar. Um, you then go to to fight her because she's like, "Oh, there's a big ransom on you, so I'm going to take you in instead." Yeah. 
And then just as you're about to sort of take her down, who pops up to take her in but Boba Fett? Was that a nice little sort of thing in there for you to see? Because, again, this is 10 years prior to the originals and 10 years after the, the, the prequels. So he's about, what, 23 at this sort of moment in time? So he's still young, yeah. but he's had 10 years out in the galaxy and he's obviously feared because people know who he is. Yeah, yeah. I guess just a cool little cameo for the game, isn't it? Yeah, I I did really enjoy this. And sadly, it was spoiled for me um, oh, before I got to see it. So I didn't get to see it. Like, it wasn't a surprise when it happened, but I was still very happy with it. Um, yeah, because I... So I got the game on PC and then um, it didn't run so well. So I had to buy an Xbox Series X just to play this game. That's how much I like these games. Um, yeah, I, I love the cutscene and I love Cage as well. Um, I thought she was a great addition to the saloon and seeing Kit Fisto's race, uh, not, not Tolan's, I think they're called, mm. like get some love within the games was good. You've got to big up uh, Tamara Morrison as well for reprising his role as Boba yeah. and uh, being given a pretty good scene to work with here. Um, I feel like this is the Boba Fett I want to see more of and just knowing that Boba and Cal have had this interaction is pretty <laughs> amazing when I think about it like in my head. Um but yeah, I just wish I didn't get this one spoiled for me. I didn't get the Vader one spoiled. I managed to dodge that, but I got I got Boba spoiled, sadly. It's <laughs> a shame. Yeah. Because I didn't get Boba, uh, Boba spoiled for me. And I'd seen a few pictures of maybe Vader appearing in this game. Yeah. But by the even like within the first day, people had started modding yes. characters already. So I thought it was just a mod that someone had done yeah. just to sort of shit. Because I actually saw a picture of Cal fighting Vader. Mm. So I was like, oh, okay, so if Vader does appear in this, or is this just like some battle guard that they modded to make it look like Vader already? Yeah. It's only been out a day. So I wasn't 100% sure if Vader was going to appear in this game, but obviously if it was, I was expecting him to show up to fight Cal, because yeah. I thought that's what the spoiler was. Yeah. Um, or maybe, like, because when he turned up to fight Seer, I was like, cool, we get to see him here. And then because I'd seen this potential clip of Cal fighting Vader, I thought that that was going to happen maybe later on in the game. I think I saw that same one on, like, TikTok or something. And it was like outside the Jeddah base, it looked like, I think. They were like in the desert yeah. and I, and he was fighting him and it's obviously a mod. But I, at the time I was like, Jesus. <laughs> I think the one I saw was they basically modded Dagon from their final battle. Oh, I see, yeah. And and they turned him into Vader there. So I was like, oh, cool, we're going to get Vader again fighting Cal maybe at the end of the game. <laughs> and Cal basically has to crap himself and run again. That's... <laughs> <laughs> Um, but let's talk a little bit then about sort of the gameplay, the level up system, the, the game mechanics and stuff. So, I mean, first of all, the customization I think was great for this game. A mm. um, little bit different to the first game. Um, I liked the the extra bits they put in for the lightsaber customization in terms of I think a lot of the the parts they put in for this were cooler than the first game. Yeah, a lot more materials that you can use as well. Oh, a hell of a lot more um, in terms of the metals, plastic, rubbers, all that sort of stuff. Um, a lot more stuff for BD One as well. In terms of you can completely change how he looked, really. Not only in obviously the the color, the materials, um, but obviously the the different parts. Even throwing in some familiar bits as well, like you know, I ended up having a Beskar BD one, yeah. um, but the fact that you can have like Geonosian, even Kaminoan as well. So lots of customization in him, and as we've already talked about, you know, face beard, his whole outfit. Is that something you were loving as part of this game? Because it's something a lot of fans called for to be part of this game. They. Um, but we don't, we don't get the ship in this one no. to, to mod it for different colours as well, which may be a bit disappointing because you had it in the first game, why not just throw it into the second one? Was that something you were liking as part of this game? Yeah, I really, I did really enjoy it. 
I was actually thinking about the ship. I was like, am I missing something here? I could I could change it in the first one. Am I missing the menu that you can change the ship? I don't know. Um, yeah, like you say, there's, there's a whole lot of different parts, like a hell of a lot. Um, and I think finding those like legacy lightsabers around as well, like you can mm. find Cordovas, you can find Centauri Krees, uh, you can find like the Hunter one, uh, which, mm. which took me a long time to figure out that you had to use the force to tame that big creature and climb up its tusk. I had no idea that you could do that. And that's where, <laughs> that's where you find the Hunter one. Um, and yeah. And you also get Sears as well, I think. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the great thing about that was, so I'm in like all the Facebook groups for like Jedi Survivor and stuff like that. You see posts and people go, post your lightsaber below and looking mm, through yeah, every single person's was different. And that it's amazing when, when a game can do that, that the, the level of customization is that good that everyone can produce something different and is that's unique to them. Mm. Um, you maybe can't do that necessarily with Cal that much. Like you can't change his hair color. He has to be ginger, which is, is fine. Um, but the lightsaber customization was the highlight for me, I would say. Um, BD1, not so much. Like, it's cool. I, I think I only changed him once, but I found myself changing the lightsaber all the time, like mm. jumping back in and adding new bits that I'd found. Um, so the lightsaber one for me, yeah, great. Um, and I think that was the highlight. Yeah, definitely. I changed mine quite a bit. I sort of at the start, I always like to have very posh looking lightsabers. Yeah. So I made mine in a very high Republic style, yeah. sort of like white and gold and then a bit of silver um, and then change it as like the story goes on. Yeah. So sort of also had cows sort of like with the man bun <laughs> um, and like the mustache. Cause I thought that looked quite cool. And then the different outfits and sort of like making him look like a bit, a bit like a clone commander. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, and so, but then as I got through the game, I changed his style. So he had sort of more, um, restricted lightsabers, and like I turned it into almost looking a bit like the dark saber by the end. And I used Beskar as the as the base material, and then changed his outfit. So once he sort of got with Merrin, I had him like change his hair and have a bit of a shave <laughs> and a bit more clean cut and stuff. Sort of like just trying to reflect a bit of like as the story goes along, how then Cal changes himself yeah. a little bit. So it's cool that we get to do that. What was um, your um, what was your go to lightsaber color? <laughs> I swapped throughout the game yeah. um, between blue, white, and yellow. Yeah. Um, I think blue and white were my two main go-tos. Um, I don't really like the purple ones, and I'm not a huge fan of the orange one either. Oh. Um, even though that was obviously part of the first game that you can, you know, part of the, it was like the early download or pre-download, but it was like yeah, the, yeah. the, the orange color. Yeah. Um, to be fair, as soon as I finished the game, I started like the the NG plus just so I could use the red lot. The red, <laughs> <laughs> which made his lightsaber red straight of away. Of course, <laughs> that's what I liked about the first game that wouldn't be the NG plus story that you could dress him up as an inquisitor. Yeah, that was good, and give him a red lightsaber. So yeah, as soon as I started the NG plus, I was like, give him the red lightsaber. But yeah, yeah. blue. I think it depended on the style of the lightsaber <laughs> or the colors that I had on the lightsaber as well, because mm. sometimes you can like when I had it is like the the gold and white lightsaber. You know, the yellow or white suited that a bit more. Yeah, yeah. And then when I changed the style, maybe use the blue a bit more. So I think it depended on the how I designed the lightsaber to what colour I looked. But what about yourself? What colour were you using? I dabbled with white, yellow, and orange. 
I really like yellow for some reason, and I don't know why. I can't explain it. Like in Jedi Outcast, like I say, you could change your um, lightsaber color on that, I remember, and I'd always go for yellow just because it was different at the time, mm. especially during when Jedi Outcast was out. I felt like there wasn't really anything with like yellow. I was like, yellow, that's amazing. That's totally different. And I've got a lightsaber over there that I built at uh, Galaxy's Edge, and that's got a yellow nice. yellow kyber crystal in it. Um, yeah, and then seeing Ray with a yellow lightsaber at the end of Rise of Skywalker, which I hope we see in the new film, which I'm sure we will. Um, mm. There's just something about yellow and orange for me. And um, yeah, and I, it's, it's just a shame that, you know, the dual wield stance, that you couldn't make it like one blue and one green or something like that. They had to like both be blue or both be green. Um, you could have like mimicked Ahsoka or something there. But yeah. Yeah, I get what you mean. It would have been nice to have two different colours mm. that you could use at the same time. Would have made it visually a bit more striking. Yeah. So, What about the level up system then? So, you know, we've got his sort of force abilities where there was like three different segments for that. Sort of, um, you know, you've got your five lightsaber stances as well. Uh, which was your personal favorite from the from the lightsaber stances to use? So I played it very like by the book Jedi. I used single lightsaber stance pretty much the entire time. Um, I tried the cross guard out because I just love it. I think it's really cool. I tried it. It's too slow for me, so I you know I didn't find much use for it. The blaster stance I wholeheartedly disagree with uh, for mm. for a Jedi. <laughs> Um, yeah, so I didn't really use that, although a lot of people seem to love that, and um, it comes in handy a lot as well. I mean, it's kind of gives Cal that ranged option, which um, he doesn't really have apart from chucking his lightsaber at people. Um, I do like the dual wield one as well. I think I had single and the dual wield kind of like as my two stances. Um, But yeah, I definitely mainly used single lightsaber stance just because that was, I don't know, that's just kind of how I see Cal and Cannon. Um, mm. That's that's what I expect him to use, I guess. Um, so that's kind of what I was trying to play as. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's fair enough. I mean, I used the single blade a bit more towards the end, mm. but I did use the cross guard a lot because whilst it is slow, yeah. it's it was so kick-ass, <laughs> I think, because it's just, it's, I think... I, I had the dual wield and the cross guard as like my two is the two stances I was set with. Yeah. I didn't really use the blaster one at all. I didn't no. like you. I wasn't a, a fan of it. It's not really a Jedi thing. No, no. Um, but in terms of you know, the dual wield for when you're going up against like troopers and raiders and stuff like that, but then big hard bosses or big monsters, cross guard, cross guard. because that thing kicks the crap out of them. Yeah. Um, and poor Rick, the door technician, <laughs> he got the wrath of my cross guard as well. <laughs> pretty much chop that guy in half <laughs> it's really satisfying yeah. to like land hits with the the cross guard it's it's mm. really satisfying to use but i don't know i just found it a bit slow did you um did you like the level up system in general yeah um so like the skills and stuff to be honest i didn't really mm. i barely read them <laughs> i just like picked single lightsaber stance and i was like yep yeah, i'm having that one and um and then i just like put one into health and survivability and then i'd put one into force and I just cycled through putting them there, here, there, and everywhere. But again, I love that there's like so many different ways you can take the skills and so many different routes and the different skill trees that you can prioritize different skills or different types dependent on how you play. Mm. And that's totally different to how it was in the first game, I would say. So again, offers, offers a lot more gameplay variety. 
Um, and it speaks to that inner Borderlands fan in me a bit because um, if you know anything about Borderlands fans, it's that we love skill trees. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think you're right in the fact that it allows you to play the character as you personally like or want to play it, concentrate on the skills that you want to level up first. Yeah. You know, rather than just doing, oh, let me just do one skill from each tree as we go along. <laughs> like, no, build up the things you want to play with, build up the lightsaber stance that you want to play yeah. with. Because I, I pretty much, you know, once I'd filled up everything else, it was only then I went back and started filling up the blaster tree. Because yeah, yeah. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not going to use this stance. Like, so didn't see the point in leveling it. Didn't see the point in leveling it up until I'd done everything else. So I did find it strange how at the at the end of the game, when you've put a skill point into every single, your entire, all your trees are filled. The game continues to give you skill points, and it's like, what are these for? What like, can I do anything with these? No, you can't. They're just like they just continue to build, and I don't know if there's a limit. I think I'm at like twenty two <laughs> or something. But I keep playing. I don't know if it, you know, I don't know if I, how high I can get that number. <laughs> it's a bit like Battlefront two in a way, though, isn't it? Once you've leveled up all your characters, yeah. To, to, to the max level. There's no point really in getting the, the XP points anymore no. because it, it technically levels you up, but you can't actually make the character any more powerful no. <laughs> or, or do anything extra with all your with your, with your XP. So I get what you mean, but I guess it's just something that you know, they couldn't be bothered to code it in that once you fill up your entire skill tree or for the game to realise that there's no point in doing it. So yeah, just keep on doing it's, it. it it's <laughs> kind of like, oh, you've, you've 100% of the game, you've got everything, but you can still keep earning levels if you want to feel some kind of satisfaction. Yeah. <laughs> so um the gameplay and the game mechanics itself you know the fighting style to me was even though the first game was quite smooth and, and, and played well i felt this game was a lot smoother again the the way that you're able to use the force abilities in combo was was again a lot smoother sometimes i felt like the the, the mechanics itself like dodging out the way of of enemies sometimes it wasn't quite as smooth or when you're trying to force dodge it quite take you in the direction it should do mm. So still a little bit, some bits there that could be improved. But overall, I thought the the game mechanics was were quite good. Yeah. What were your thoughts on it? Yeah, um, like the movement for one thing in this game was so good. Like, um, you know, like once you get the grapple upgrades and whatnot, and you can sort of just fly around, basically grappling onto here, that here, there, and everywhere. Um, really enjoyed that. Um. I like that they added the fast travel as well. Um, mm, yeah, that that definitely eliminates some of that backtracking from the first game. And yet still I managed to sink 50 hours into the game, even with fast travel. So that just shows how big the game is. But I do agree mm. with what you're saying about like the dodging and whatnot. I feel like it was a bit iffy sometimes. Um, but yeah, the mechanics overall and the combat certainly better than the first game and like we say with all the different stances and stuff um a a massive improvement over the first game and i just i it makes me wonder how they can possibly take it further for a third game if they do do a third game because i feel like cal's already fully maxed out (laughs) like he's at his he's at his his peak it feels like and um i think that's something as well that i i um thought about a lot was how this game starts you out with basically everything that you already have at the end of the first game, and it mm. doesn't it doesn't write into the plot some silly gimmick about Cal losing his powers somehow. Um, it's almost like you. So in the first game, you are a Padawan. Obviously, you get knighted, um, and then in this game, you start out and you already feel like a Jedi Knight because you've got all this stuff, and it continues to build and expand on that. 
And I just think that's that's a it's good that they didn't do that thing where, oh, he's lost his power somehow. So it's time to relearn all the same skills that you already have uh, that you already had in the first game. Um, yeah, so it kind of helps you feel more like a Jedi Knight, potentially mm. by the end of the game, like a Jedi Master, I would say. Yeah. I still think it was bad that we had to wait quite a bit to get the... Um, obviously, you got the double jump and stuff, but then when he's able to like force dash forward oh, or yeah. whatever, the fact that you had to wait for quite a bit to get that, that's something you should have straight from the start. And it annoys me even more that if you start an NG Plus game, you don't get the force... Um, you don't get that ability straight from the start either. Oh. You have to wait till the moment in the game where you get, get it, it to still get it in the NG+. Because you get all your skill points back that you finish the game with, so you can max out all your trees immediately at the start of an NG+, game. But um, they won't give you that. The force dash, you have to wait for. It's ridiculous. <laughs> Just give me the force dash. Um, <laughs> I think, do you think it's though, it's, as you're saying, it feels quite OP, but do you think that's just because it's, a natural part of having to to play this as a game rather than it being a TV series or a film where because you have to keep the game player engaged and satisfy everyone's different styles of play that because you know five different lightsaber stances mm. all these different abilities that that's not something that you know a jedi would necessarily have in real life no. in, in in the star wars world so it, it's not necessarily op it just feels that way because you've got to satisfy different ways of being able to use him in the game yeah no i totally agree with that and it's like that's kind of where a problem would arise if they were to ever bring him into live action because people would be like, well, he could do this in the game. He could do this in the game. So for me, for bringing him into live action would just create issues, I think. So maybe they won't go down that route, although obviously it would be nice to see that. But like you say, um, yeah, he does, he does feel OP, but you're right, it is because it's a game and, you know... He, he, we have to have all these different, like varied options for us. Otherwise, it what kind of a game would it be if we didn't have that kind of variety? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Do you? Um, I mean, I've heard people mention if they if it was to be in live action, maybe the Ahsoka series, for example. I think that's just because that's coming out soon yeah. again. If he's not dead by that point, <laughs> by that point, then I'm going to be a little bit annoyed. Um, not because I wanted to be dead, but just because of what we've talked about the timeline. Um, in terms of the you know, in in the the Disney era of of Star Wars, you know they've obviously given us a lot more Star Wars than we ever thought we were going to get. Mm-hmm. And they've added a lot of characters to this overall arc of storyline. Do you think maybe they're putting too many Jedi post Order sixty six in now that have survived Order sixty six? Because yeah, you know, when we see the original series, it was you know two or three that had survived uh, out of ten thousand Jedi mm-hmm. that were wiped out. And slowly and slowly, more and more people are appearing that have survived somehow. And even the the two people that we've seen in the Ahsoka trailers, um, you know, R.I.P. Ray Stevenson that passed away just the other day, yeah. who's appearing in it. Yeah. Um, but him and his apprentice in this story that apparently are loyal to Thrawn, um, we learned that they're survivors of Order 66. And we've just had, you know, we've had Callan Seer, and we've just had Bode now thrown into it. That's another survivor. Order. Do you think there's too, getting to be too many Jedi that have survived Order 66 from where it was before. Yes, I would. I feel like it's kind of the Vader problem all over again. Um, they kind of. This is why they need to stop confining themselves to this timeline and they need to start exploring something new, which hopefully is the route that they are eventually taking. Obviously, they've got all this stuff in the works at the minute, like Ahsoka and stuff like that. But hopefully, with Acolyte and then obviously Ray's film, 
it'll be a whole new generation of Jedi that we've not seen before. And I, but I do think when you're meddling with that timeline with Order sixty six, you keep throwing all these new Jedi around, and um, yeah, I, I, it does start to come like, oh, how many of them are there? Is a you know, you start thinking there must be there must be more out there. Must be hundreds <laughs> going at this rate because yeah. it's not just contained to even the um, you know the TV series and the films. We've seen a lot in the comics and novels. Mm-hmm. The, the surviving Jedi that, yeah. yeah, especially in the Vader series, he's hunted down quite a few remaining Jedi as well himself, as well as the Inquisitors. Yeah. So to me, I'm starting to like, I wish they'd stop introducing new survivors of Water 66 because I liked this idea from the originals that it was... by the time we get to that point, 20 years after the, the you know, this mass extinction event of the Jedi, that there were only two or three left in the entire galaxy. Yeah, yeah. And now you're just adding more and more in, and then you've got to find ways to kill them off, or have different have different ways to to have them have made it past the original trilogy without anyone knowing about. Them. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, so, yeah, as much as it was a really cool twist for Bode in this one, after I got over the initial shock of him being a Jedi, I was like, "But another survivor? Fuck me! Like, when when's it going to end?" I know. Um, <laughs> it almost becomes like boring and like overdone because it's like, oh another survivor of Order 66. Mm. Like, that's not been seen before. (laughs) (laughs) Sooner or later, they're going to start taking the sting out of the whole event. Yeah, yeah. We know, obviously, in Episode 3, it's one of the most tragic, dramatic and emotional moments of of all of Star Wars. So they keep watering it down almost (laughs) with extra survivors here and there. Um, Yeah, I just hope that at some point they just make these the last of them. We don't need any more. Like, just, you know... Grogu, I think we make an exception for yeah. <laughs> being a survivor of Order 66, and we're all tra- interested to see the future of what happened with Keller and Beck yes, yeah. um, and stuff. But yeah, let's just say enough is enough, <laughs> Lucasfilm. Stop getting more survivors. Um, <laughs> otherwise, they're going to start a club together, and it's not, <laughs> there's no, no point to that anymore. Uh, any, any other thoughts you had on the game at all? Um, I would say, like, for me, it had almost everything I've ever wanted from a Star Wars game. And I feel like we're getting closer and closer to that perfect Star Wars game becoming a reality. Um, the seamlessness of like travel between the planets was perfect. Mm. Like The fact there isn't a single loading screen in sight in this game is incredible. And we could potentially one day see that open world Star Wars game that we've all been hoping for, where you can kind of like hop between planets and... Um, yeah, with seamless travel between planets and stuff like that. The planets that we know and love and not not new ones. Um, it kept me pretty engaged throughout, and I haven't had such motivation or drive to 100% complete a game since probably Breath of the Wild, uh, where I'd be, be up late at night running around doing all the little Korok seed <laughs> and uh, the shrines. I haven't felt that kind of feeling for a long time, and... I just have to say, like, hats off to EA and Respawn for being able to interest me to that level because it's been a it's been a while. <laughs> mm. We've got the uh, the rumor that there's going to be an open world Star Wars game coming in the next couple of years, isn't there? Yeah. Um, sort of, they described it as like a Star Wars version of No Man's Sky. Yes, yeah. Um, which would be super exciting, especially if they include some of the planets that we know and love. It's always exciting to get to be introduced to new planets, but sometimes I feel like we need. I do want that Coruscant open world one. Like, yeah, I want to be able to go to the Jedi Temple or like you know the Empire's Palace, whatever it is, you know, post Order sixty six yeah. or anything like that. I'd want to be able to visit that. 
and so many other worlds that we get to see in these games that you know in an open world Scarif game <laughs> I get to go and see Scarif from Rogue One because that's I you, love, know, you can just chill on the beach. Love Scarif. <laughs> what a great planet Scarif was. <laughs> and it's represented well in the Battlefront games yeah, as well, yeah. and um, again a, a beautiful representation of it in the game. So, so overall rating then of Star Wars Jedi Survivor, what are you giving it out of ten? Like ten being the most perfect game it could be, one being whatever you think is the most trash game on the planet. <laughs> Where do you put that rating? So, like I say, I've I've recorded my fourth episode of my podcast where I talk about Jedi Survivor, and I gave it a rating in that, and I hope this rating matches that I'm about to give it now because <laughs> I think it was nine point three. I gave it I gave yeah. it very high, and that's that's like a personal rating because a Star Wars, b the type of game that it is, like action adventure, love that kind of thing. Um, yeah, I gave it very high because of all the elements we discussed in this. Kind of like, I like the collectathon element that I know not everyone is a fan of, but me personally, I do like that kind of thing. The story was really strong here. I feel like at first I thought the story wasn't as good as Fallen Order, but then as as I've like reflected on it, I've kind of felt like no, I I I like the story of this one better because of the implications of everything that happened and kind of like the effect that those things are going to have on the wider Star Wars canon, kind of like Tanalore and stuff like that is now obviously mm. going to be crucial, I imagine. All the High Republic stuff, really good to see. Um, again, I feel like finding that way to bring the battle droids into this was amazing because I love battle droids. I think they're hilarious. <laughs> and, um, you know, to kind of write that in and for it to make sense, for them to be knocking about during this time period, because obviously Ravis has like reprogrammed them and made his own army um, from the crashed um, Separatist ship or whatever it was. Mm. Um, can't remember its name. That uh, Lucha, that's the yeah. one. Yeah, um, yeah. Just seeing those and just it adds to that enemy variety as well. Where I feel like Fallen Order only really had the Empire and a few creatures here and there. This get this mm. game has so many. Like there's the Bedlam Raiders, there's the droids, there's um there's the Empire ones that we saw a lot of in the first game. There's the Purge Troopers, there's uh, all the different creatures, all like new and old, um all the different like mini bosses that you can do, like the legendary creatures, like the golden yeah. the golden um Scryton, I think it was called in the desert. Mm. Um yeah, the, just the variety in this game is just is is great and. I remember when the credits came on, I just kind of just sat there in silence at the credits. I was like, I've finally done it. But also I was kind of like in awe at everything that I'd just experienced. Um, For me, this is up there with like my top favorite games of all time. And it may be because it's fresh in my mind, I guess. It may be because it's Star Wars, but that's fine. (laughs) Um, Yeah, for me, it's, it's like I say, it's... I had almost everything I wanted um, from a Star Wars game. I like we say though, I just wish we got a bit more Dagangera. I kind of wish he didn't die. Um, it's not going to be one of those where it's like, oh, is Dagangera really dead? Because I'm fairly certain he is dead. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, hopefully we learn more about him. Um, yeah, I think that's quite a high rating. But I, I've not played a lot of games since like Borderlands. Borderlands, I would give like nine point eight. <laughs> 
Maybe my ratings are a bit high. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I, I would have given it about an eight and a half right, okay. uh, out of ten, to be yeah. fair. If we count if we discount, sorry, like the battlefront games because they're more of an online multiplayer mm. type game, would you say this is the best Star Wars game we've ever had? <sighs> I know there's a couple of competitors and there maybe people think of like Knights of the Old Republic and stuff like that. Yeah. For for me I would say it is, but that's like I say, I I I love Cameron Monaghan. Mon- Mon- is that how you say his name? I think so. Monaghan, yeah. I think so, yeah. And I just love um, the story implications of this, like I say. And I love this time frame we're working with and how we're exploring Old Republic. For me, this one is probably the best. <laughs> um, but Star Wars Battlefront 2, the, re- the, the latest one, not the old one, is a close mm. contender for me. Um, because, like you say, we can really recreate those big battles, which is obviously something you don't get in this kind of game, but this kind of game serves a different purpose. Um, and, yeah, I just I just really enjoy Cal's story and um, definitely excited to see more. So for me, mm. yeah, I would, I would say that this is the best Star Wars game we've seen yet. Nice. And then lastly, out of all of the upcoming Star Wars projects we've got, so let's see, you know, Ahsoka, uh, The Acolyte, um, the the three new films that we're going to be getting. What is the one thing that you're looking forward to the most out of all those? Uh, it's quite difficult because there's a lot of exciting stuff going on. I think, Ac- oh, hmm, I don't want to say Acolyte. I was going to say Acolyte because it's an area we've not seen before. Um but I'm thinking after the passing of Ray Stevenson, and I love Ray Stevenson. Um, I remember him from Dexter. He stood out to me in Dexter for some reason. Um, he, was, he plays a great villain. And I I remember posting about him on like Instagram and stuff when I first saw the trailer for Ahsoka. And I was like, I can't wait to see um, Balin with his orange lightsaber mm. in Ahsoka and what kind of role he'll have in that. So at the moment, I know it's only around the corner. Maybe I'll at the moment, the way, with the way I'm feeling and stuff, I would say Ahsoka. Um, just seeing all these characters from the animations come to live action and stuff like that. But especially Balin and Shin, I think his apprentice is called. Just mm. just excited to see them too and what their story is all about and what affiliations they have and how they impact the wider Star Wars story. And um, I'm sure I'm sure Ray Stevenson's character will be great. Yeah, definitely. Kev, thank you so much uh, for coming on the show and having a nice long chat with us about uh, about Jedi Survivor. Um, I think it was something that we all waited for for quite some time <laughs> yeah. to 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 be able to play this game, and it was definitely worth the wait. Hundred um, percent. So I really appreciate you coming on and chatting with me about it today. Uh, tell everyone at home where we can find you on social media, where we can find your podcasts. So my podcast is available on basically any good podcast service, uh, Spotify, Pocket Casts, etc. And you can find us at Kyber Chat. I regularly do episodes with my friends in real life and my girlfriend. We kind of dabble with different topics depending on who I have on. Um, and you can find me on all social medias at KyberChat. I managed to secure that handle. Um, <laughs> it wasn't taken, thankfully. So Twitter, yes. Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube are what I regularly regularly use.
Amazing. Thank you very much, buddy. It's uh, it's definitely been a pleasure. Uh, thank you for everyone who has tuned in, um, either watching the video or obviously listening um, on audio. Um, I'll be back next week as normal. Um, if you you, know, you like our episode, give us a follow on social media. Um, obviously, give us a good. Um, you know, I'm asking to give us a, a good rating uh, for for the show as well. Um, whether you're listening on Spotify, Apple, anywhere else at all. Um, but we will see you next time. Thanks very much. Take care.